you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode number 155. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my handsome son, Chris Skyrim and Raygun. Chris, <laughs> your shirt cannot, cannot possibly be an accident. Are you trying to tell the audience something? Uh, no. Feel, feel bad, perhaps? No, it was totally an accident. I just, mm. uh, I was like, oh yeah, I have, I have this shirt. I haven't worn it in a while. I, I actively like, now that we do video, right? I think like, okay, I can't wear the same exact shirt that I wore last time. Right. And I'm at like the end of a new or at the beginning of a new wash cycle. And this is, this is the last thing. So I was like, all right, well, well, that's a nice shirt. And Skyrim is on PlayStation. Yeah, uh, it is. Just, just teasing. Of course. Uh, welcome, Chris. Hope you're doing well. Also joined as always by executive producer of last Stand media. My other son, Dustin Furman. Now I assume your shirt is certainly not a coincidence. And I just wanted to know if you had anything to, that you wanted to get off your chest. Oh, um, no, I mean, it's, compl- I just, you know, I pick out a shirt and, oh, oh what's that? Oh, a Cuphead shirt. Wow. Amazing. Yep. Um, you know, just a fantastic game that I've, I've beaten multiple times. That's just one of the best. <laughs> I enjoy it. Sometimes I just play it for fun. Did you beat it multiple times? Yes. Oh, wow. Like, on the, did you beat it on expert or whatever? 
No, I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not that crazy. Yeah, the, that's, uh, that seems hard. The expert mode or whatever, dude. The platinum too is not easy. I'm not. I don't think I can do that. I heard it's somewhat of a compromise platinum. I was looking into it the other day when I was when we were teasing back and forth about Returnal and, and Cuphead, which is of course the joke we're referring to. And I just went and looked because I was like, the, the Cuphead platinum must be incredibly rare, below one percent, but it's actually like one and a half percent. And then I was reading this controversy around it about how there is a break. Where if you can find someone to play co-op with you locally that has the platinum trophy, it'll pop the trophies for you as you play and beat all oh, the different bosses. And dang. so like it's a little bit so you it's hard. To, you'd have to know someone in your real life, basically, that has it. But I think I'm going to I own it. I, I bought it on Switch. I'll have to own it on uh, buy it on PS4, maybe play it again, see what I can do. But, uh, you know, I'm not happy about it it's okay. I said. because I basically walked into this. Yeah, I don't I'm not very foolish usually. I mean, I make foolish mistakes every once in a while, but I opened myself up for that. It was ill timed and and ill considered. So that's it. That's it. You know, I don't have anything pause. to say. You got to fucking prove yourself at this point. You that's the thing. You did walk into this. You walked into it. You created yeah, a game that I didn't even know I was playing. That's fair. And now I'm that's bringing a, the heat. That's a fair point. All right. So this is uh sacred symbols are. <laughs> <laughs> weekly playstation podcast we put it up each and every week you can get it three days early and ad free on patreon at patreon.com slash last day media like more than twelve thousand of you are support us over there thank you so much for that exclusive access to sacred symbols plus our weekly patreon only episode of the show that's always like a review discussion spoiler casts interviews mailbags etc beginning in july we're going to start rolling two of those for all patrons over mm-hmm. there regardless of your level so thank you for that. Last week, Sacred Symbols Plus was um, an, ex- an analysis, a pretty good analysis, I think, of Xbox at E3 from our perspective. And we had fun with that. Next week will be Sacred Symbols Cross Defining Duke. And we'll have more to say about that. That's basically going to be a sub-series of scant episodes under Sacred Symbols Plus that we're going to begin doing. I know a lot of people want that to happen. And uh, I make dreams come true. Yeah. So I'm wow. happy to do that for you. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, Patreon merch, lastdaymedia.shop, of course. And uh, I have a note here that's not in the note that in our shared notes. So a girl named Maggie P, a woman named Maggie P wrote in to me on Patreon. And I don't usually do things like this, but it, I thought it was cute that she did this. She has a uh, or her boyfriend, Sean O'Malley. He's a fan of the show. His birthday's on June 23rd. So by the time this goes live, it'll be you know a few days away. I just wanted to wish Sean O'Malley a happy birthday. And I thought it was really nice because because Maggie basically reached out to me a few months ago or not, maybe even that. And she's like, will you do this? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Just email me or message me at the time that week and I'll say something. And that was kind of my test to see if it really mattered to her or not. And yeah. And she came back. Birthday. I let her go and she came back. So that's, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. That's wholesome. So it is wholesome. So happy birthday to Sean. And she was like, t- I, I was kidding around with her because she was sending me like, you know, and he, his favorite games are this, this and this. And I'm like, Maggie, I'm not going to write him a biography here on the show. You know, I'm not going to like get into <laughs> his his entire history here. But, you know, a very happy birthday to Sean O'Malley, nonetheless, from his girlfriend, Maggie. Yeah. And he gets a nice uh, gift in the form of a, a baby face shaved Colin. I know. Mm. What do you what do you think of this? It's it's uh, it's rare. It's jarring. Yeah. I like I, yeah. I actually like I forgot what your face looked like. Yeah, me too. Is there an occasion? Is there an occasion why why you decided to like you know? It's so hot. It's just so hot <laughs> in the South. You know, like it's just I feel yeah. so much freer like this. I mean, it'll come back. It'll grow back very quickly. But yeah, because usually I just trim it down. But I just took the buzzer and just went all over my my face and like the same height as my 
hair and um, no. So no occasion. Just wanted to do that. But I've been looking at myself because I've lost weight. Right. So and, and I've lost weight at the time that I've had a big beard covering my face. And so I, I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I look like I have a pinhead now, <laughs> even though because I'm not used to looking at myself so like skinnier like this. Yeah. Even though I actually have a big head. So it's uh, yeah, it's been it's a little jarring for even for me. And I'm I am me. So thank you for wow. noticing. All right, guys, there's a few things to get through. Actually, there are three big items I want to talk about before we even get into what we're playing and we get into the news. Um, but before we even do that, just want to cruise through a few things over at PlayStation blog. They are taking beta signups for PlayStation 5 firmware. If you want to go check it out, they did the same thing for PS4. It's just a, a, a closed access thing where you get to kind of beta test and basically give them metrics and telemetry on how it works. So if you want to sign up for that and you have a PlayStation 5, you can do so. Uh, also, I misspoke last week about the Final Fantasy Origin, the Stranger of Paradise demo. I said it was coming, I think, June 24th or something, but it's actually only going to be available until June 24th. And it was actually broken when it went up, but it works now. So if you want to play it, I don't want to play it. But th- did you play it, Dustin? Did you download yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. What did you think? Uh, I need I probably need to be more fair to it and play the entire thing, but I really did not uh, find myself drawn to it. It felt like a worse version of Neo and only oh, with so really hard, annoying like parts. Uh, I don't know if it's hard. I, it was easier. It was just, there's some really, so one of the main things that I don't like about Neo is that it's so loot driven. And so like every time I picked up a piece of gear, I have to press pause and go to the menu to see if it's better because my brain just is like, needs to be, you know, min max my, my, my loadout. And uh, this game suffers from the exact same thing. I just, I hate that. But, and, and in addition, like, there was other aspects of it that I didn't like. And I'm not singling out just that thing, but mm. who knows? It's just a demo. It's a beta, so, or whatever it is. Are you going to check it out, Chris? Probably not. Like, if this yeah. game, if I'm ever going to play this game, I'm probably going to wait until people who know me will come to me and say like, Hey, you know what? You'd really like this. And then maybe I'll jump into it. That's usually how I decide to play games that I otherwise wouldn't have you know, even tried, but like this, I don't know. This is the kill chaos game, right? Yeah, that's right. I don't know if I can handle that, man. I don't know if I can handle that for that long. That whole trailer was just every single line was, I've got to kill chaos. Where's chaos? I was opining on Twitter that the only exciting thing about this game to me is the idea of it, like I said on last week's show, mm-hmm, yeah. of the idea of going back, but also like the potential of them doing more X colon Final Fantasy origin stories in the future. Yeah. But God only knows if they're going to even get through this one. I, I This just seems to this has a lot of controversy around it. I do wonder, to your point, Chris, and we'll talk about this in more detail later, if it the rumor was that it was a PlayStation 5 exclusive, that rumor was spurious. It wasn't true at all. It's not a PlayStation 5 exclusive. I wonder what the commentary would be on it if it was better or worse there is some playstation protection going on of course but also would it be more would it be stranger pardon the pun if it was a a only on ps5 when it doesn't look very i mean it doesn't look very good yeah it it doesn't look particularly next gen the the weirdest thing about it though to me is it's just like it's just this really like final fantasy looking thing and then there's this one one character in like an h&m button down shirt it's it's just a very i don't know if that's like common in final fantasy I don't, i'm not familiar enough with final fantasy you know but i feel like every single final fantasy character i have, i've seen doesn't look like like an h&m mannequin 
you know, and that main guy does. And it's just very weird. I'm wondering, because Nomura is attached to this. I don't know. Is he he's not the character designer, though. Is he some kind of visual designer? Because they look they look like Nomura designs, which is what makes it distinct slightly from Final Fantasies. Like yeah. this weird pretty boy kind of anime but i don't know it's i'm sure i'm sure he has some unique. input right like he oh, wouldn't yeah. His, yeah, name, he, his name wouldn't be featured prominently in the in the in the trailer if he didn't like if he just touched it i think um yeah i think he's i think it was like an idea of his like he, it was conceived by him but i would doubt because of kingdom hearts continuation that he would be involved deeper than that i don't know i guess we'll, we'll see yeah, I, we'll see what we'll find out what happens with the game it reminds me like i said last week it kind of reminds me of type zero or type O, however you want to say it and so we'll see how that all goes all the only other things i wanted to say before we kind of get into some more earnest conversations returnal has another patch out now as of the 11th and this is a apparently a pretty substantial patch that amongst other things fixes uh, trophies retroactively makes them playable again Thank you. and uh, so like trophies that may have been missed and didn't pop and apparently really enhances the overlay stuff with the cards and the help and trophy counting and all that so I have to turn it on I haven't played in probably a week now and then uh, Chris for you Doom Eternal comes to PS5 natively on June 29th this was noted in the Xbox E3 press conference and we kind of just went over it that they were just talking about the Xbox versions of it, but that is happening for Doom Eternal on PS5 as well. And Hell yeah. uh, will you play it there? Yeah, I might jump back. Again? I might jump back into it. 120 frames yeah. on a console. Yeah, why not? Why not? But the game's so good. <laughs> I'll find any reason to play it again. Also, Resident Evil Village, Capcom noted, is getting at least one expansion, although they've given us no new information. Dustin, I was wondering, what should the expansion be? Mm, of, a of VR Resident Evil Village. VR, that'd be cool. Well, that's probably a whole separate thing. I bet you, I'm wondering if that's a thing for uh, launch on PlayStation VR 2 or whatever, sure. but I don't know. Um, surely they're going to mine the well of the ladies of the castle and they're right. going to do some, you're a whole different character. It's a new, it's an episode that all takes place in an expanded version of that castle with uh, everyone's uh, favorite uh, large lady. Yeah, Lady D. To put it polite, Lady D. Lady Demetresque. Demetresque. Uh, I never know how to say it. Demetresque. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just going on what they say in the game. Right. Yeah. I, I, would, I wouldn't have said it that way if they didn't say it that way, for sure. Yeah. Chris, what, what do you think the Resident Evil Village expansion should be? You want to see more of that that lady? I mean, that is breasts? that would be my honest answer. I mean, I think that's that it would make the most sense. Honestly, like of the main cast of characters, those were the most interesting people. Like that Definitely. castle was the most in, like, I mean, you know, the fish person's weird and neat. And I thought Heisenberg was kind of like terrible to be completely. Yeah, I thought it was like, like reverse interesting. I thought they put the game in backwards almost. Yeah. It should yeah. Have, it should have ended in the cast. Well, I don't want to spoil it too much. Yeah. Yeah. We, we'll, we'll get into it when we do the spoiler cast, but like, you know, I, the order of that game is really weird, but I, I think they were really just great characters. And I, it was almost kind of a shame that they didn't last long enough. Like I, I was like, Oh man, I wish this would have gone a little bit longer, a little bit further. But I, I, I do think in all likelihood, if they're going to make DLC, it is going to be in house Dimitrescu. Like it would, just and I don't know if they would do more of the dollhouse because I feel like the whole point of that is that it's like small and like really intense. But those would be the two things that I would imagine uh, Capcom wanting to mine 
for content and i would imagine that house dimitrescu is the most obvious answer yeah it was good news in fact that yeah from that perspective that they don't know they said openly we don't know what it is so the feedback is obvious i I, like we said during the cycle of getting the game out it seemed like they were surprised by her popularity at all although i must admit i'm a little perplexed by her popularity too it's it's a funny meme when you're making fun of it but she's pretty horrifying in the game like she's not hot in my opinion you know she's like a shambling she probably smells can you imagine <laughs> she what she prob- smells like you know <laughs> she it just probably it just, smells you I mean, know and, and that powdery perfume yeah. that old ladies wear like, yeah i used to love when my, my grandma had that thing where you put it you know and then you it was like that really fluffy thing you'd put and i used to play with that all the time and it probably used to annoy the shit out of her because it's probably like really expensive yeah you know like that, that foundation or whatever you'd, you'd <laughs> yeah away, you know maybe i was uh i was having some gender confusion of my own when i was a child who knows but uh yeah lady dimitrescu i agree i think we'll see more of her and yeah i get real beyond two souls vibes from resident evil village just in the sense that in a different order the game would be much stronger it's the same thing with beyond two souls which they were able to remedy in beyond two souls in the ps4 version which i thought was pretty cool although i did not play it couple more things stalker 2 which was one of the coolest games we saw at the xbox conference we knew that it was a timed exclusive but boys it will come to playstation 5 as soon as july next year so it is only a three-month exclusive window not too bad not too long of a wait and uh, the only other thing we have to touch on here and here it is lockmort sent us the e3 predictions and the scoring for them so gentlemen what i would like to do if, if i might is go through and score how we did and we'll go from last place to first place. And Chris was last. No, of course. Dang it. Chris said there would be a boost to PS Now folding in the PS Plus and announced on the PlayStation blog. So three possible components to earn scores on. Nothing of that nature. Mm-hmm. News about factions announced during game, Summer Game Fest. But if Naughty Dog also announces a different new game. So I don't know what that last thing was. Yeah, news about factions and announced during the summer game fest well we that didn't happen yeah but if naughty dog also announces a different new game oh i see what you're saying you did say that too mm-hmm. we'll see more of forspoken at the square enix conference we didn't that was a surprise that yeah, was a safe bet that was yeah. bizarre we saw like a snippet of it but nothing new it was just like a, a uh, like a quick shot of like what we'd seen previously just to say like hey it's not dead i was just like okay weird that's like the coolest thing that they're working on, I think. But like, all right. Ubisoft will butcher Splinter Cell. No new game, only MP related. Although there is an explanation. So he had uh, Lockmore was very thoughtful and put a little field in case there was a note, like an asterisk. And he says, Chris tweeted he's looking forward to the Splinter Cell anime. So yeah. there's a little bit of a positive twist there, although the guess was wrong. And finally, you said Medieval 2 would get announced on the PlayStation blog. Two parts. So zero out of five, Chris. Damn. I'm sorry to say. Wow, that's what horrible optimism. That's what optimism gets you. Hor- horrible performance. <laughs> I didn't do much better. I scored 0. 0.75 out of five. I said no first or second party stuff at all. Sony only recycling old information like a ratchet trailer or DLC. Huge third party presence. But if there's a new Sony or first second party exclusive announcement, blah blah blah. Death Stranding and uh, which is the director's cut and Kenna Bridge of, Bridge of Spirits were shown. So out on that. And I did say that there is great potential on this teasing something else, but I was wrong because uh, Death Stranding had a, a presence at the show. It's a second party game. I said, and this was a bold one. Kind of foolhardy, but we're having fun. Deathloop gets shown during Bethesda. Ghostwire Tokyo also gets showing during Bethesda. Acknowledge that both are coming to PS5. 
None of that happened, obviously. By the way, I had some clarification on this. I don't know exactly how true this is, but it comes from a source, like a reliable source. Ghostwire Tokyo is a timed exclusive. Deathloop is a straight up exclusive forever, as far as I understand. Now, if there's any other clarification on that, but as far as I understand from someone in the know, Deathloop is a forever exclusive for PlayStation 5, but Ghostwire isn't. Mm. So we'll see if that turn, how that turns out. Mm. And if that's true, if that's true, then of course they wouldn't have talked about Deathloop there. Let's see. Where else am I? All right. Number three. Here's where I get a little crazy with it by saying exactly what we knew was going to happen because of a leak. We'll see more of Babylon's fall. An immediate beta available on PS4 and or PS5. So I was right that we would see more Babylon's Fall, and I was right that it would be on PS4 and come to PS5 natively, but no immediate beta. That was a real shitty guess because that was all based on the leak from Steam. So I definitely just ran with that one. I would have otherwise scored no points. (laughs) Number four, Ubisoft will announce a new single-player Splinter Cell game. That didn't happen. I'm going to keep guessing that every every year. (laughs) And finally, a new Final Fantasy Tactics game gets announced for PS5. That didn't happen. That was was complete wishful thinking. The victor is Dustin, two out of five. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> number one playstation's presence will be disappointing at summer game fest uncharted 4 for pc ratchet trailer he gives you no points because death stranding was revealed and i do agree with this because the presence disappointing i don't know that we would be very disappointed about that that's something that's more than i thought sure. we were gonna get here's where you score a lot of points here number two elden ring will be re-revealed release window gameplay and then you said it would also be at the bandai namco or xbox event which it wasn't so awesome. 0.75 out of one point there. You get a full point because Final Fantasy celebrates previous titles with a re-release, basic remasters. But of course, they came to the wrong platforms, but you still were right. Damn. Then you said, and I thought this was a good bet, Ken Levine and Ghost Story Games revealed what they've been working on. That didn't happen. And the number five, and I liked this bet, uh, this one too, Persona 4 Golden Port for PS4, Persona 3 Fez Port as well. Neither of those things happen, but you still scored two out of five. So again, Chris, goose egg. Chris, you got to mm-hmm. do better next time. Uh, me, 0.75 out of five. I'm right there with you. Dustin, a stronger two out of five showing. In the days we used to do this at Podcast Beyond where we get really crazy with these bets, two out of five was, that's a good score. Whoa. So yeah, that's a good that's score. That's what I was going to say. It's a little bit, it's like, oh, two out of five. You know, saying that, it's like, it's, uh, you know, but you know, it's, you, you got to go crazy with it. There's a curve. It's like my, I had this biology teacher in um, in high school, Mr. Dinowitz. He was a really nice guy. And he used to explain that in college, he took these bio courses where the grade or the curve was so low that if you scored like a 20, you you passed the test like that kind of shit. You know, that's crazy. And so, so you you passed with a 40. Wow. Very well done. Yeah. Look at that. You. I was I was always wondering about that, though. I'm like, so you guys were getting like 18 on your chemistry labs and stuff like that. And like 22. And I'm like, well, you know, no wonder shit's getting out of the fucking <laughs> coronavirus labs. You know, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can we get some people that are doing science? Yeah, right. Out there. Good Lord. No, I should have. Right. Uh, yeah, I should have made a safe guess. Like uh, take two. We'll have a Zoom call for 45 minutes to an hour as their E3 showing. But damn, if I had only had the foresight to know something so obvious. Well, Chris, I think you bring up a good point because I was thinking about this yesterday. That I was like, man. They really had a messaging problem. And I don't know if it was E3's fault or the publishers or both that take two thing. And then we were all sh- we all saw Bandai Namco presentation. And then it's like, oh, they're showing one game for 20 minutes, like not even 20 minutes. It's like, 
Oh, I didn't even watch it. I was just like, I just nothing. That, that, I just don't understand. Like, let people know in advance. Don't. I don't know. You breed disappointment if you aren't upfront about what you're doing. Yeah, I just don't know why. I don't know why Take Two had a Zoom call and branded it an E3 keynote. It just doesn't make any sense. It's like if you're gonna do this, do it like in three months and not have it associated with it. Like, why the fuck would you do this? Everybody hates you now. <laughs> I totally, I totally agree. There's a lot of that going. You know, well, we'll save it for the blue box conversation because, oh boy, if that's not what it, what it seems to be, I feel really bad because we'll, we'll get into that in a little while. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Before we do, though, there are so there, there are three stories that I want to talk about that I don't feel like are normal news stories. So I didn't write them out, but I think will be good for conversation. Right. And. Um, well, I want to start with this conversation that I wanted to have about Scott Cawthorn, who is the creator of Five Nights at Freddy's. Have you guys are you guys familiar um, with him as a person at all? Because I. I don't I don't even really know what Five Nights at Freddy's is. I only know it from when it appears at PlayStation events as like coming to something PSVR or something. But I'm not even really sure what it is. I just know it's a very popular thing in the PC space. So, Dustin, did you want to say something? Well, no, I all I know about him. What's what makes him interesting to me is that to my understanding, he made some like real basic like a kid's game or something. And one of the reviews were talking about how they looked like bad animatronics and he never like made any money or anything. And so he was like, well, screw it. I'm going to make a game about scary animatronics and and go for it. And then Five Nights at Freddy's ended up being this like huge phenomenon. Million, like, dude, this dude's like ten, he has to have tens of millions of dollars. Like it just is absolutely loaded. I mean, good for him as much yeah, as definitely. as much as the the we'll say the the culture whatever around five nights at freddy's is so kid focused and like all the GameStop merch i'm like good for him like he made something and clearly there was a market for it so but uh this news about him colin i think that's this is frustrating yeah so i don't i don't i want to allow people to and i guess i'll do this to you again dustin is to opt into this conversation because I guess it is inherently political and I don't want to people want to avoid this kind of conversation. So we'll give you a way to skip that. Maybe just keep an eye on the screen or maybe there'll be a voiceover or some sort. I don't know, but we'll do something. Dustin, you figure it out so that people can skip over this. But the basic tenor of this story is that this man, Scott Cawthorn, who made Five Nights at Freddy is a Christian conservative game developer, pro-life. And it was dug up 
he didn't do anything. It was dug up that he had donated, made political donations to like Donald Trump and mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell, this, the, um, the minority leader in the Senate now. So this all kind of came to a head where it was becoming like, well, he's anti-LGBT, you know, whatever the, the acronym is now. And he's not to be trusted and he's he's fomenting hate and and all of this. And, and he was basically saying, like, no, I'm not I don't I don't believe I, I love LGBT, LGBT, whatever people and and all the rest. And anyway, he was run out and, and he wrote a letter where he basically retired. And he's like, I think the series will continue. Someone else is going to do it. I'm just going to spend time with my family. Obviously, as Dustin said, he's financially secure for life, so he doesn't need to really do this anymore. I am just kind of dis- this is just another disturbing thing for me. And Chris, I'm just wondering if you follow this and what you might make of it. Uh, I, I don't know if I care that much about it. Like it, cause like, you know, like the, the, the principle of it is like, yeah, why do people even care? Uh, it's just what people are doing with their money. Like if, if I can, um, you know, buy disco Elysium knowing that the people behind it are just kind of like weirdos, you know, and they got like a picture of Stalin up in their headquarters or whatever the hell they got. Is that, is that, is that what it was? Was it Stalin or like, yeah, it was, they had a, um, a portrait of Stalin yeah in their office yeah like if 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 i can buy that with no problem i don't see why i would be able to why i would have a problem with five nights at freddy's but at the same time it's like dude the, the, like you said the dude's like the dude's set for life he doesn't he's he's fine like this is not gonna do anything really to this dude um if it was like an indie developer like if it was like hey i've been putting my savings together to build this thing and then like people run him out of the industry just because he like donated to this or donated to donated to this political cause, then I would be a little bit more uh, up in arms about it. But I I can't get mustered up about this. Honestly, what do you make of it? Dustin, have you been following the story? Yeah. So I I have two main thoughts. I mean, first of all, people, if you if you don't like Scott's politics, then it's your right to speak out against it or decide to not give him money anymore i think that what's unfortunate and i don't know much about uh scott cawthorn but like this isn't a small minority of people an extremely small minority of people of the his the millions and millions and players of players of his games so he's has the right to do whatever he wants and i don't know what he's thinking but i it's unfortunate because i'm just kind of like Fuck them. Like, who cares? If they can say whatever they want, they can disagree. But you, it's like, is the, are you actually losing sales? Is your next game gonna tank because of this Kotaku article and the people on your on your subreddit? Which, as Chris has notoriously, I don't know if it was on the show or off air, but we've said is anti fandom. Basically, like, if you have a Reddit, then that's where the most outspoken people that don't like you are going to go. So I'm in that sense, I'm like, dude, like. If he wants to retire and be with his kids and maybe that's that's the end of it, he's just kind of like, nah, this ain't this isn't worth it anymore. I mean, more power to him. But I just hope that he doesn't feel run out because of the minority. The second thing is that, Colin, you specifically linked this Kotaku article that uh, Ian Walker wrote. I want to read just one line from this. Please do. So Cawthorn responded to the public backlash by reiterating his belief while also claiming have love for the lgbtq plus members of his fan base despite supporting powerful people who have done everything they can to harm them 
everything. I don't know, guys. I mean, I don't want to get into the specifics about Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell's LGBTQ plus policies, but do you really believe they've done everything, everything they can to harm them? I don't know. It's just like this, this type of reporting is like clearly so opinion and agenda driven. It's like they couldn't, he couldn't just like state the facts. It had to, it had to have this, this spin to it. Am I, am I off base about that? No, I, first of all, Ian Walker's an awful writer. He also wrote, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to pick on him as an individual, but I got a lot of questions about this guy because did you read the Final Fantasy origin story that I linked out that he wrote or whatever, where <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh whoa, God. man, like he's talking about like how the character looks like a dude who I don't know. It just kind of I'm, honestly kind of just came oh, off as being boy. like, this is the dude that this kind of this guy reminds me of a guy that fucked my sister when she was in college. I mean, that's the way it sounded. You know, I was just like, whoa. <laughs> Whoa, Ian, this is a video game website. We don't need that kind of nonsense. But nonetheless, I don't think you're off base at all. Here's the thing. This line that's being drawn is something that no one can possibly. It can't stand up to scrutiny. I'm going to give you an example. Okay, if you supported Barack Obama in 2008, you gave him money and you voted for him in the primaries and you voted for him in the general election. Yes, we can. And all that. Barack Obama was explicitly not implicitly not something i didn't ask but explicitly against gay marriage when he ran in 2008 and in fact the only reason it was ever discussed in 2012 as people might recall is because joe biden opened his mouth and like just said something that forced him to take a different position basically on it but barack obama was a values christian guy with some pro-choice bona fides but he was vehemently anti-gay marriage yeah Here's the thing I want to bring up, though, is that in 2008 in California, there was a thing called Proposition 8, which was for gay marriage. It failed, unfortunately. If you voted, I believe if you voted like, yes, it, it, it failed and it voted no for passed, whatever, whatever it was. I was against Prop 8 because I wanted gay people to be able to get married. Even as a registered Republican, I supported Ron Paul that year in the primary. Mm-hmm, yeah. But when push came to shove, when in 2008, November re- re- came, I voted for Barack Obama. And Barack Obama was against gay marriage, which stood in conflict with my very vote for gay marriage in earlier in the year. Do you understand what I'm saying? This brings out this ignorance of a person's individual complexity and how a person can believe certain things and not believe a certain certain things have an order of operations and what is and isn't important to them. And that not everything is a catastrophe saying something like Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell are trying to destroy LGBTQ rights. No, they're not. No, I mean, no, they're not. Yeah. And even and even if they like you say, like, oh, it's the trans athlete bill or it's like things with the Pentagon or whatever. There are people on the Internet that are trying to act like this is just another political. Oh, this is just another political pushback. And someone even brought up like, Colin, you were just talking about Mohammed bin Salman or whatever from Saudi Arabia buying SNK. And I'm like, are we really going to conflate Mitch McConnell and the Saudi theocratic dictatorship? If you're gay in Saudi Arabia or transgender in Saudi Arabia, it's illegal and you can be executed for it. So let's not conflate everything that's happening, just like we can be opposed to the Communist Party in China, a murderous regime with fucking concentration camps full of workers. Muslim Uyghurs, as we know, 
working in factories where to the point where there is basically slave labor happening there. They manipulate their markets. They don't have a free democracy. You can't use the Internet in a free way. Mm. That's different than criticizing Trudeau or, you know, a, a, a parliamentary system in Europe, which is yeah, free. Yeah. It's a sliding scale of severity based on where you are, though. It is it is one of those situations where it's like, yeah, if you're in the U.S., obviously you're it's better to be gay in the U.S. than it is to be gay in Saudi Arabia. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know, I'm looking through like some of uh, McConnell's voting history and it's like, yeah, it, it, it is a little bizarre to be like, oh, yeah, I support LGBT this. And then also like not even just support Mitch McConnell, but then like donate the donation of money to me is always just bizarre to political figures. I just don't understand why anyone would do this. But especially if they're all, tax breaks is, is a big reason. I, why I mean, don't. I guess, yeah, aside from that, but like. He does have like a weird history of voting. So I, I do understand like kind of being like, hey, what is this kind of this is kind of contradictory. But the 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 way that it's being delivered in such a like a I don't know, it, it seems a bit too is is condemnatory a word, but I think it might be. It's, it, it just seems now. it just seems very venomous. For what could honestly be just like you could really just go up. You could really have just reached out to him and been like, hey, what's this about? And I think that would have been an interesting kind of thing, you know, like to actually reach out to the people that you're writing about. But I don't think people do that anymore. <laughs> Nobody reached out to us when uh, uh, when we fucking. Oh, when Kotaku wrote about us or all these other sites. Yeah, like, yeah. We did reach out to this email we had from you in 2012 or something like. Yeah, it's like, thanks. Cool. Thanks, guys. So we did 30 minutes too. <laughs> I know. Thanks, guys, for that. I feel like. I, I want to just go back to my 2008 example. Mm, if we're going to yeah. reduce people to their actual political actions and who they support and what they support, then what did my support uh, against Prop 8 and for Barack Obama in 2008? What does it mean? And the idea and the answer is that there's no answer to that because mm -hmm. it's a completely complex and ridiculous thing to hold someone to. Yeah. You know, and my whole thing is, is like this guy wasn't they, it's not like they dug up some like obscure forum where he's going off about white nationalism. It's not like he has like some spoof Twitter account where he's calling everyone, you know, a homo or something and being really belligerent and offensive. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like he literally just made political donations. It's actually like one of the most peaceful ways to interact with political, the political system in the United States. And mm. I agree with you, the whole giving money. I actually donate money to politicians, you know, a few times a year, probably. But it's often either a small amount or it's for merch. Like I'll buy a shirt, I'll buy signs yeah, yeah. and I know that they get that money. So I get, and I get something in return and yeah. I like to sometimes just put those signs away just to have like a cool little small collection of like these old political signs. Yeah, but, that's fair. But I, like to me, I, I'm not saying, I'm, sorry, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying it's, it's like not something that people do. Like I, I, I've supported like people running, but like usually like if they're already in there, like I'm just like, all right, whatever, like fucking like I'm, I'm going to keep my money. Thanks. But it's not like it's uh, the mo the worst thing you can do. I'm just I'm just always kind of confused at it because I, I would just I like to keep my money. No, I, I totally I mean, I totally get that. I, I. I just feel like if a man can't peacefully interact with ma the one of the major two major American political parties, which garnered the second most amount of popular votes in American history last time behind Biden's first number, right? Mm. It's not like this is an obscure fringe. It's yeah, not. Yeah. And like, so if he wants to 
interact with it and say like, well, maybe he gives money to Donald Trump because he's a culture warrior. Maybe he gives money to Mitch McConnell because he wants Supreme Court justices. By the way, it's worth noting this guy is an open and devout pro-life Christian. So clearly he's going to vote for or give money to a guy who has massive control in Mitch McConnell over the dictation of Supreme Court justices and all of that if they get the majority again. So I'm not trying to get too political. It's just to me, this guy didn't do anything can i you know that that's the really shitty thing it's like they don't even point to anything that's actionable you know can i say something though i i feel like of course you can i feel like on my honest interpretation of this whole thing is that like like we said already this dude's loaded he could make another game if he wanted to i don't think this would really hurt him at all i don't think this amounts to really anything what I think is happening here is I think he's run five nights at Freddy's into the ground and his soul has been shattered into like five million pieces and he finally has a reason to just kind of like not do it. That's kind of the vibe that I'm getting because like if this happened to me and I was this loaded, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to make another game and it's going to sell way more because I'm going to I'm going to be an absolute dick about it. That's how I would handle the situation if this if this was happening to me and people were like digging into my uh, political donate, especially because, you know, in comparison to some donations that could be there, not even remotely as bad as it could be. So this just seems to me like somebody who's, you know, how many Five Nights at Freddy's are there at this point? Like fucking 20, it feels like like a yeah, stupid, I don't know. I don't even know what the, I really still don't even know like a stupid amount. And I don't care how much money you make. I don't, I don't if you're if you're like a, a developer an indie person who like created this thing eventually you're probably going to feel like a bit of a dickhead for just like constantly milking this one cow and you're just gonna feel like ah, hey, you know what maybe if i got a little bit of controversy here this is a good time to step away and just enjoy my money for once instead of having to feel obligated to continue doing this right this uh, you know bottom of the barrel because like let's be real like final, final fantasy <laughs> Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's is just it's not really that good of a game like it like I've played a couple of them and they're like fine like they're nice little indie games but they're really nothing that they're nothing to write home about and (laughs) it's just the truth of it I feel like uh, I feel like that's what's really happening here but that's entirely speculate speculative on my part you know you could be right I mean I I mean When something bad happens or something bad happens to you or kind of things culminate, mm-hmm. I can I can relate in some way because when I was unhappy at kind of funny, I was unhappy enough where when something happened that was going to drive me out, I just embraced it. I was like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. You know? So it, it could be you could be right. But I just want to encourage people to think a little bit more complexly about these issues there. Like you said, Chris, there is a spectrum in which we can analyze politics. First of all, I'm not one of the people, as everyone knows, that listens to this show that says, like, politics don't belong in games. Politics doesn't belong in games coverage. I don't believe that at all. I write political games. The second thing is, is that I, I think that we should have a more open and honest corporate, economic, cultural, social conversation around games at all times. But I feel like when it's as simple as going into public databases and finding what someone the money someone gave to and it's not like he gave it to, the, you know, the. The guy running for a, some obscure white nationalist party or something again, mainstream political parties. And I just ask people to to think about my experience in 2008 and then ask themselves, well, if a man like this is saying, I yeah, I gave money for X, Y or Z to these guys, but I also do believe in your right to live and have a happy life and do your thing. Why wouldn't you necessarily believe that? I, I do feel like 
there's room for complexity and I, I'm, I'm disappointed. I don't like to make fun of this sort of thing. I don't do it actively, but there it is. It is a car- turning into a caricature to say, like, you look at someone's Twitter or Instagram profile and it's like, you know, she, her, bi- bisexual, Latino queen, you know, like all this kind of stuff about the, the immutable characteristics, the identification, the slicing of yourself in a million different ways to isolate yourself from others, to other other people away from you, to dehumanize other people or whatever the case might be, instead of looking at everyone as an individual. I don't care about any of that. I don't. Mm -hmm. I want to know who you are. If those things stand as a barrier between me getting to know who you are, which often happens, then that does leave us on the opposite sides of the spectrum because I find you inoperable. Right. And not you, of course, the royal you. And I've said it many times. This unholy alliance that's growing between the Bernie left and the center to mid right in the United States is a glorious thing. And I'm all about it. Like it's happening because both of those groups hate the identitarians, hate them. And the people that want to subdivide and group everyone up and castigate people for immutable things like like it matters that my family got on a boat 90 years ago in Italy and came to the United States. I had nothing to do with that. I have nothing to do with it. It doesn't control my life. I'm not going to let it control who I am. And I just wanted to put that message out there because I think it's an important message. Everyone is welcome here. And I feel like we can never reduce someone and rather let's appreciate their complexity as an individual. And cut this shit out. And I said it very boldly, not boldly, but just outwardly on Twitter. I'm probably going to vote for the Republican candidate and give him money in the gubernatorial race in Virginia this year. So when someone digs that up, now, you know. Mm-hmm. That's too bad if you don't like it because I'm exercising my personal political agency. It has nothing to do with the show. It has nothing to do with the audience. And it's allow it's it's me peacefully working in, in a system in the mainstream of the system. And I saw this story and I wasn't originally going to talk about it, but I wanted to because I think it's fucked up. And it's just another example. These guys will twist themselves into a pretzel, Chris, to square their LGBTQ bona fides with, you know, support of like, you know, basically tacit support of Hamas, which would kill them. Mm-hmm. But when it co- when it comes to when it comes to like just a dude with a family making video games, not doing anything, not saying anything, to anyone just giving donations away, he's destroyed. And I'm sorry, that's just ironic to me. Yeah. It's the same I, thing with this guy on Twitter that I was dealing with, twisting himself into a pretzel about SNK and how their their moral equivalence with LGBTQ treatment. You know, it's like <laughs> you have to be crazy to think that mm-hmm. there's an, there are countries in this world where you'd be dead. If you if you flew the, the rainbow flag and the United States isn't one of them. So that I just think we have to let's talk a little bit more realistically, Chris. I didn't know if you were going to say something. I didn't want inter- to interrupt you. Oh, no, it's not. I, I wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so that's all. That's all I wanted to say. Hmm? Dustin, is there anything you wanted to add before we wrap this section up? No, I think that you. Uh, I think we've covered a broad uh, level of opinions here, which is why people yeah, like yeah, the I show. So, so I'm too. glad we could do that. Yeah, I think so. I. Well, that's always important. That's why when Chris says like, I thought it was funny. I was like, can I say something? I was like, oh, of course, you can say something. You can no, say yeah, yeah. You want. It's just yep. it's just a Whatever. default way to like interject. <laughs> I no, did, I, I, it wasn't I, like a genuine question. I, but, I understand. Yeah. So everyone's welcome here. As long as you're not like a fringe crazy person, you're not abusing people, hurting others. I don't. Your politics are irrelevant, whether you're a socialist or 
uh, conservative or pro-life or what. I don't care. Yeah. Just don't, I don't care. Just don't recommend Kingdom Hearts to me in my DMs. That's, that's, no, the, please one don't. Thing. that's the one thing I ask of you. I'm getting a lot of that lately. I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't know what happened. I don't know if you guys said anything, but I'm getting a lot of I weird. I I'm getting a lot of weird people by DMs being like, "Hey, you should play Kingdom Hearts." Well, out of nowhere, there's a Kingdom Hearts fan on on the show now, and so the you know the the fans don't know how to act, and so I right, must calm right. the fan base. Yeah, you must. Yeah, that's true. You are stand, um, stand down, stand, stand down. down fan base. Stand down. <laughs> You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right. The other, well, another story that I wanted to talk about, and I wanted to especially get Chris's take on this because he tweeted about it, mm -hmm. is this thing with Bethesda, um, Todd Howard, Pete Hines, and this idea of you know xbox exclusivity it's been confirmed it was confirmed really months ago but obviously reconfirmed again games like starfield redfall etc are going to be exclusive the elder scroll 6 in the future hines apparently said to GameSpot, pete hines so pete hines was the longtime marketing lead at bethesda obviously works for bethesda still and he says he said in part to them and this is according to video game chronicle the website uh, quote, if you're a big fan of stuff we make in a game that we're making and it is no longer available on your platform, I totally understand if you are unhappy or pissed or whatever. I get it. Those are real feelings and frustrations. I don't know how to allay the fears and concerns of PlayStation 5 fans other than to say, well, I'm a PlayStation 5 player as well. And I played games on that console and there's games I'm going to continue to play on it. But if you want to play Starfield, it's on PC and Xbox. Sorry. All I can say is I apologize because I'm certain that that's frustrating the folks, but there's not a whole lot I can do about it. End quote. Mm -hmm. So. I I really loved the candor of that answer. Yeah. And I'm sure Pete Hines is speaking from two different places, maybe even three different places, because he made no doubt, I would argue, tens of millions of dollars in the acquisition. I can't imagine how you, you can be there for 25 years in that position and not have walked away in a seven and a half billion dollar deal with a lot of money. Yet he's also speaking from the perspective of someone who has multi-platform bona fides. They've they've supported multi multiple platforms for 30 years. Yeah. Until now. 
And I do think and I want to talk after I let you go, Chris, about why I think this is an interesting situation. It's not quite the same as what other people are comparing it to. But I thought what you said was really interesting where people weren't bitching to this level about Spider-Man and other things that you would conceivably think would come to everything. Um, and Insomniac and Sony are quite stingy and open about saying like, well, that's what the way it goes. And everyone kind of yeah. almost celebrates that. I, I was just curious what you thought about um, Pete Hines's comments and and how do you um, how do you square it with, I guess, the current reality? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's I think it's nice that somebody in that position is able to speak that clearly and that openly. I think that's cool. Like, uh, but I also just like I wonder, like, why what the need even is for an apology you know, like, I just don't understand it. Like, it, to me, it just seems like th these exclusivity deals have been around for ages. And, you know, even if you count, like, the Elder Scrolls and, like, other Bethesda games, like, is Morrowind? Like, can you play Morrowind on PlayStation platforms? I feel like you can't. Like, no, Morrowind's never been available on PlayStation. Yeah, so it's like, it's not even like this is out of... It's not even like this is necessarily out of character. Like, like Bethesda has a lot of titles that were very, very Xbox focused in in the past. Like even like you know Oblivion and and uh, even 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 the Skyrim that we got functioned infinitely better on the 360 than the PS3. So it seems like of all the acquisitions, th this seems to make the most sense to me. And it's just confusing to me that people are like, oh hey, here's this new IP that has no history that doesn't exist yet, really, for all intents and purposes. And it's, like, exclusive to not only Xbox, but also PC. When Sony was very clearly trying to secure this game as an exclusive as well. Yeah, that's and true. And that would have been only available on one platform, not even on PC. So it's like, what... I don't understand... I just don't understand the, the anger. Like, it just doesn't... It's literally available to more people with this acquisition than it would have been had Sony, you know, stepped in and got it. As we know now, the Deathloop is like apparently like a permanent exclusive. I don't see nearly as many people flipping out about that, even though that game looks awesome. That game looks sick. I feel like Deathloop's probably gonna be better than Starfield, to be completely like frank. Oh, I think it's going to be you know? up more our alley for sure. Yeah, and, like yeah, so I, it's, I agree. I agree. So I, I think what you you're totally right too, Chris, about Morrowind and this has been this is forever in the industry. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's just weird to me that uh, like I understand like at a base level being like disappointed like ah that sucks, but I, I just the, the the vehement nature of it like the fact that enough enough of a shitstorm was started to warrant an apology in the first place like I just it's it's very weird. It's the same. It reminds me of when. Um, Oh my God! Was it was it Days Gone or what was the what was the PlayStation game that came to PC? The Horizon. It was like when Horizon came to PC and and people were like flipping out. It's like how dare they put it on PC and like, and you and you compare that with the Halo series coming to PC and everybody was flipping out. They were like celebrating and everybody was like ecstatic. Like people had wanted this for so long and I just feel that you know I I love PlayStation and I, I love this platform and like the PS1 is like probably like my favorite console of all time. I love that machine with like all my heart. All those IPs are still really important to me. But like I feel like there's a weird protection protectionist kind of like spirit in the audience that is just very unbecoming and and very like uh kind of annoying. Like I just I just don't understand. 
where this is coming from when everybody else has dealt with this for so long. Well, I, I think you're right. But I think that maybe you answered your own question is that it's kind of new for this fan base. And I'm going to present Dustin and I, I want to get you in here, too. I'm going to present the devil's advocate argument, which mm. I think is interesting. Mm. I don't think it's I don't think it really persuades me, but it's an interesting argument. Mm. The argument from a so-called PlayStation fanboy, a protectionist, let's say, is Sony has never gone out and bought someone and then taken it away from everyone else. And actually, that's true. If you look at their studio history, they were buying studios that they had already worked with that were already making PlayStation exclusives. Sucker Punch, well, Insomniac's the last studio they bought. And obviously, they let Insomniac go. They made an Xbox exclusive and then they came back mm -hmm. and then Sony acquired them. Before that, it was 10 years in, or I'm not not. It was I actually eight years at that point. Before that, when they bought Sucker Punch and Sucker Punch had been making Sly Cooper and then Infamous before they made Infamous one. So they got through all of Sly Cooper and then Infamous before they were purchased. And people make these examples over and over again. And the only kind of conceivable example of a game maybe or a studio like Liverpool that existed before Sony even existed as a PlayStation entity that were making like Wipeout and stuff. And those were PC games. But generally speaking, the argument against what Chris is saying is Sony never went and bought a Bethesda and then was like, we're taking all of that away now. And I personally mm -hmm. don't really care as a gamer because like Chris said, it's business. It's normal. But also because I don't care about Bethesda games that much, like it, with the exception of machine games, as I've said many times. But if that happened with Square Enix or Capcom or something like that, I'd be fucking mad. And I can understand that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not really I have access to all the consoles. I play whatever I want. I'm not like really that invested in this at all. But that to me seems like a reasonable argument to say like Sony, to be fair, has never gone out and done this. And in fact, Microsoft has done this before. Yeah. You know, they did it with Rare but, as well. well. So it's it, it, it's it's not like that. And that was a straight up trade basically with Nintendo yeah. and Microsoft. So. But that's the thing. It's like I think what confuses me more about this is that this is literally how Microsoft has always operated. Like this is not new. I don't know if this is news to people, but Microsoft bought Bungie to take Halo away from Apple's Mac platform. Like, that's literally how the Xbox got started, is this exact kind of acquisition. It's like, hey, this is a great game. Let's take it away from Apple. It's just how they've always worked. So Wait, that like, was with what, that, that was off of Marathon, right? Which was their that was yeah Marathon. They used to Bungie used to make Mac exclusive like you know PC like you know computer games, uh, and then Microsoft swept in and stole them for the Xbox, and then it, like you know that's the reason why they're still around today. And and like I understand what people are saying. Like I understand like this is a different scale too. Like Microsoft is way bigger, so they can afford to do this. I I on in no doubt in my mind that if you know. If the size of these companies were reversed, Sony would be doing the same thing. Like, because it just makes them, it just makes sense. They're doing it on a smaller scale, as we talked already about. Like, they tried to secure Starfield behind closed doors as like a individual game, and they're free to do that. And they did it with Deathloop, right. uh, and they did it as in a timed capacity with Ghostwire, and they're doing it in a, in a timed capacity with all these Final Fantasy games. Is Final Fantasy VII remake even available on Xbox? I have no idea. I don't think so. You know, is um is something like Street Fighter? Like Street, yeah, Fighter, Street, Street Fighter Five is just completely off that plan. Like I don't know, can you play that on Xbox? I don't think you can. No, so, like, I don't think so. It's just I don't know. Like I, I I'm on every ecosystem, right? And I I've and I've been a part of the Xbox ecosystem for a very very long time. Still am. Been a part of the PlayStation ecosystem for a very long time as well. And I remember there were games that came out. and I was just like, why is that just not on Xbox? It's very bizarre. 
that that's not on Xbox. And I understand that Spider-Man is like an Insomniac thing, but there's never been an exclusive Spider-Man game unless it was something made specifically for like, I don't know, maybe like a, you know, like a, like a, oh my God, a virtual boy Spider-Man game that would like not work on anything else. You know what I mean? But Spider-Man has a huge history of being multi-platform. And then all of a sudden, just this triple-A Spider-Man game is just not available to, like, the majority of people. Like, it's just... I remember thinking, like, oh, that's kind of annoying. But I remember that kind of subsided pretty quickly because it's like, ah, whatever, it's Insomniac, you know, whatever, they're working on it. And it's just weird that people can have that response to that, but when it's like, hey... You know, here's Avowed, here's the next Obsidian game, here's the next whatever game. It's being funded by Microsoft now. Now it's a problem, you know? It's just like, this is just how the industry works, and I understand it's disappointing, but, like, these games are also coming to PC, you know? They are made available on more platforms with this acquisition than they would have been if, you know, Sony had taken them, you know? Yeah, like, I, and I that's, you're absolutely right about that. That's the way to look at it. Uh, that's, in my opinion, the way to look at it. I think you're right. Uh, by the way, I think... It's to your point. You mentioned it several times. There was an there would have been an almost celebratory nature if Starfield was scored by Sony. And, and obviously, as I said on last week's show, the Sony saw the game and was impressed enough by it to try to chase it. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the money to go out and buy studios, really. And it's it, to, to support your your claim, by the way, it's important to note that Spider-Man was made by Insomniac when Insomniac was still second party. So, yeah, this was a, this was an even stranger deal. Uh, Dustin, let's bring you in and, and see how you feel about about this whole drama and and Pete Hines's seeming. Ap- I thought Pete Hines was very classy about it. Right. What, what else are you supposed to say? Yeah. And I thought it was weird that he had to go. I mean, I, I understand because it's the Internet that he wanted had to go and clarify his apology that it's just like he wasn't apologizing for Microsoft's business. He was just like, hey, I'm, this is disappointing. I'm sorry that this is disappointing. I think that's classy move. The one thing I, I will say, Colin, is that to uh, you, you put in the devil's advocate of like, oh, well, Sony doesn't go and buy games to take them away. That is true, but only in the fact that Microsoft goes and has bought games that have already been announced with no platform and then made them exclusive. We saw that with Starfield, which Sony was going to do that. So that's already kind of like, eh. but like, think about. Final Fantasy 13, multi-platform, that whole trilogy, multi-platform, Final Fantasy 15, multi-platform on launch day. And then suddenly Final Fantasy 7 remake, exclusive, uh, Final Fantasy 16, exclusive. Those games were bought. Um, and though they weren't announced for Xbox, they're being taken away because mm. they went and mm-hmm. bought the rights. Mm. We saw a precedent for the last decade of Final Fantasy games releasing on xbox on launch day and now they're not so sony has done that exact same thing it's just yeah, they weren't enough. announced beforehand fair enough so I, which i know you were just playing point. devil's advocate yeah, but well for, that's what I'm, I'm trying to play yeah i'm yeah. trying to play devil's advocate because i see that argument and I, I think it is somewhat compelling right mm. you're right in the sense that sony final fantasy 16 was in development sony has in in and has for 25 years with square enix remember their marriage during the PS1 era gave us Final Fantasy VII and allowed Square Square Soft at the time to put up their full vision, which was impossible on the N64. They really came to their rescue. And so I think there's a lot of respect there and mutual admiration, which is why Square is willing to do this. And I think the same exists with Nintendo. I don't think Square has any love for Microsoft in, in a lot of different ways. I think it's cool that they 
bring their games later to them or whatever. But people say in these devil advocates conversations, well, Sony should go buy Square Enix and just take everything. And I'm like, no, no, like that sucks. Yeah. Why would you want to like that's an eye for an eye kind of shit, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that just from the audience's perspective. Mm-hmm. That would be a great move for Sony to go and buy, buy Square Enix. I think that would be awesome, actually, for Sony to do that for them. But I don't want to see that because that just cuts everyone out and it sucks. I, I we have to also blame, I think, a little bit Marvel and Disney, by the way, for Spider-Man. When we're talking about Insomniac and Spider-Man, Marvel and Disney are going around and getting exclusives all over the place. So I Indiana Jones is clearly going to be an Xbox game, you know, and mm. that's going to be their answer to Spider-Man in terms of pound for pound shit. And that's going to come out when the, in, the next indie movie comes out. Probably it's gonna be huge. So I think what I said to you, Chris, on Twitter is what I think is the most lucid comment one can make about this, which is sometimes the shoe is on the other foot. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes that just happens and that's it. Dustin, I want to hear. I'm very intrigued by this write in from from Sean. The very next one. Do you want me to read it? If you do want. We, do we want to get into this? I, I have some thoughts about this. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, you want me to present it? And then, what do you want to present it? Present it. Yeah, I'll present I, it. Your so, sultry voice will, will present it well. Yeah. Let me host. Dustin, let me host. I'm sorry. I'm excited. You stay away. Sean Kelby wrote in and said on Patreon, of course, like you can, says, hey, guys, I was wondering how do you guys interpret Todd, Todd Howard's comments on his feelings of Starfield not being on PlayStation? He said, uh, in quote, and this is in part, of course, Quote, well, we're still I will just say I want everybody to have the ability to play it in some fashion. End quote. I feel like people have got to let this go, though. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen way after Starfield comes out. We're talking about 2024, maybe. It's like. I don't know, Dustin, you have you see maybe a little more bullish on this than I am. Well, I don't know. There's it's weird that he cut himself off. Like it could be something as minimal as the fact like. Well, we're still making a cloud version that if you have a controller and the app on your TV, which is something they've talked about, you'll be able to play it. So maybe he was going to say something like that. Maybe he was going to say something like, well, we're still making Elder Scrolls for PS5, which here's the thing. I'm not going to I'm not going to plant my flag in this. I'm not. So whenever whatever happens, whatever announcement, you don't need to come after me like you did to Colin, like, you know, little Sony pony, whatever. I think Elder Scrolls Keep is it to c- the thread, by the way. I took the L and made a thread for you to insult me. That's all I ask is you keep it to that thread. You know? No, impossible. Jesus. Anyway, I think on. Elder Scrolls will still come to PS5. Personally. That's possible. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. It's just. What do you think of that, Chris? Do you think the Todd was about to say something? Uh, I don't know. Like, it's I we're cut myself still, off. I, I cut myself still, off a lot. I feel like it's I feel like it's probably like nothing. I, I, I feel like he's just. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like you start the sentence just to get the the mind working and then, you know, you figure out what you're going to say afterwards. I do that a lot. So I, I don't know if I'd be willing to read all that much into it. I, I will say, though, I, I don't think Elder Scrolls is going to come to PS5. I, I think that's going to be 100% exclusive, not only because they're going to be essentially fully funding it at this point, but Elder Scrolls has a precedent for being exclusive to xbox in a way that really no other bethesda ip has you know like uh like we talked about earlier morrowind is just on the original xbox and by the way you can still play that now on on via backwards compatibility i don't know why you would want to do that it's it's, it's ancient but (laughs) do they do they give those games achievements like those old games do they ever go back and like 
give them achievements? I don't know. I have all my notifications on Xbox turned off, so like even yeah. if even if I did get achievements, I wouldn't know. But Chivos, as the children used to call them, Chivos. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I think some of them do, but uh, I think those the older ones probably don't. Uh, I think they just get treated with like a nice up-res and a nice like frame rate boost, and it's it's nice quality of improvements, but. But anyway, like because that game is exclusive, I think they'll have like a, a reason to be like, hey, you know what? This isn't even something that people can get all that frustrated about. Like this is like pretty usual at this point. But we'll see. I feel like I'm going to split the difference between you guys. I think Elder Scrolls six is so far away that Game Pass will be on PlayStation by the time that game comes out. That I mean, is that's that's wild. my whole that's my whole thing, Ooh. you know, like. I think you're looking at a game that's five years away. Yeah. So. Yeah, certainly. I have no problem saying that. Like, I think Game Pass finds its way on the PlayStation by that point. And I still think that the end game is to get Game Pass on PlayStation. A tailor-made, very specific first and second party version that doesn't hurt Sony's third party, allows Microsoft to get subscription dollars from PlayStation audiences that will otherwise never go to them. And then maybe draw people over for the newer games. Maybe you have some sort of delayed response. Maybe Halo Infinite isn't. Well, that's a bad example. But let's say Game Pass was available now on PlayStation. Maybe Halo Infinite doesn't come to Game Pass on PlayStation for two years. But maybe Master Chief Collections on there and mm-hmm. and all the other stuff. So so I'm going to say that Dustin is right just by virtue of that Game Pass will be on PlayStation by then. That's, that's my guess. That's interesting. Bold. I like yeah. it. That's a bold prediction. It is. It's one, another one of those predictions that is so multifaceted that I can somehow tell you that I'm right. When it <laughs> yeah. So I I feel like I just want to say to the audience, I think you got to let this go. I, I just want to reiterate that. I think it's time to let this go. It's fun. I love the hypothesizing. I love the corporate aspect of it. I do think it's interesting that Microsoft is allowing Bethesda to keep its imprint. I think that that means that there is some intention to get some of their games out on other platforms. I just don't think it's going to be Bethesda Game Studios games. I think that it's entirely possible Wolfenstein comes to PlayStation or Doom comes to PlayStation or something because they said, remember, they said, Chris, games with a heritage on PlayStation will come to PlayStation and Wolfenstein has a heritage going all the way back before machine games even existed. But it doesn't have that Elder Scrolls heritage, like you said. In fact, like the Elder Scrolls, PlayStation has been the worst place historically to play the Elder Scrolls. You know, especially Skyrim, but also Oblivion. So if it happens, it's good and great. But if it doesn't happen and it's not going to happen with these games coming up, then you just got to let it go. And if it happens, then it's a nice little surprise. Yeah, exactly. But I do wonder, hey, Dustin, you're right. What was he going to say? What the fuck was he going to say? Maybe nothing. Yeah. Maybe not. But these guys are so media trained and so sharp that I. I'm part of me refuses to believe that Todd Howard was about to fucking out. A PS5 right. version of Starfield. I mean, like, right. it's like unbe- it's literally unbelievable. I, I, I just don't think that that was going to happen. So no. Okay, let's see here. Banana Ham Cake wrote into us on Patreon. Says hello, my sweet boys. Any thoughts surrounding the mysterious PS5 game abandoned? The studio behind the game recently tweeted out something odd, saying the actual title starts with S and ends in L. Is this actually a new Silent Hill game? Why would they add fuel to that fire when they already stated back in April that the game won't be Silent Hill? Dustin. This is a crazy I sent this link to Chris too on PlayStation Lifestyle. A lot of people have different rundowns of this. This is insane. And the coincidences are too many 
to ignore whether or not it's real or not. I don't know. But I want to believe because it's just so Kojima-esque. I'm wondering if, Dustin, if you can give us a rundown and kind of talk to us a little bit about what's going on here with this. I'll try my best. So a few months ago on the PlayStation blog, a game was revealed that was a codename Abandon. It's not the actual title, but it was on the blog. There's a trailer that kind of has a weird voiceover and... It's just like someone walking around in a forest and there really wasn't a lot of information about it. And people have started to dig around and find that this blue box studio is very mysterious in a few different ways, specifically that somehow they have some kind of exclusive PlayStation deal, uh, but they don't really have any games to show for it. Now, they did have a Kickstarter in 2015, which kind of looked like a bit of a, a shell game that was it was did not get really funded at all. And the the only known employee of this studio, uh, what is his name? Let me bring up this Push Square article. He's Turkish, right? Yeah, it's um. Let me see if I can find it for you. The Dutch developer working on PlayStation Five game survival. Hassan Karaman. Right. Hassan Karaman. This is the only known employee of Blue Box Game Studios, which, by the way, their logo is the same square as PlayStation and use the same font as PlayStation Studios. So that I don't yeah, know. There's that's, so, just so many it's things. Really so, weird. <laughs> so to, to zero in on some of the more important stuff, because there's so many details like this is like the, the epitome of the Charlie Day meme. Of right. like him, like, you know, like smoking yeah, the cigarette. Pepe the the Pepicilla. <laughs> yeah. So they put out a tweet that said, guess the name. Abandon equals first letter S, last letter L. Reveal closing in. Now, part of what's weird about this reveal is that they say that they're getting a PlayStation 5 app where you can download this app and watch the reveal, the trailer for this game in real time on your PS5. Right. What other fucking game has done this ever uh oh, phantom pain phantom pain was that a thing oh <laughs> well the fan no i'm saying like this whole sort of oh, like yeah this whole mystery thing. yeah this phantom pain that's why well, that's why i think that it's that's the biggest piece of evidence of all i think but anyway go on right that's an important thing to bring up is that when phantom pain came out they had the studio that was working on it was it moby dick moby dick yeah yeah and they had a they had a twitter that was like no we're not related to metal gear does metal gear have flying flaming whales Haha, <laughs> like clearly de denouncing, even though we all, you know, people knew. So the same thing has happened here. Blue Box put out a tweet. We wanted to set things straight. We have no relations with Konami. Silent Hill is owned by Konami. We do not have any relations with Hideo Kojima. It was never our intention to tease the name as Silent Hill. We sincerely apologize to this. So they are coming out and denying this, but they're still saying like, hey, this... PS5 trailer app is coming. Now, Colin, when we were tweeting about, or not tweeting, we were texting about this, and I feel like there is one major smoking gun about this. And I verified this on Google Translate that uh, I already forgot the name that you said of the name. Hassan Karaman. Right. If you put Hideo Kojima in Google Translate and you put translate from uh, Japanese to Turkish, which is even though this is a Dutch game, the, the the only developer that we know attached to the project, you translate it to Turkish, 
it is his name from Hideo to this man's name, which I just heard you say, but I've already blanked out because I can't remember. It translates pr- exactly. Maybe not. I saw some people like, well, it's not the same kanji. It's like, yeah, okay. that's not that's not relevant, though, because I think people no. are missing the forest for the trees with that. It's just a hint. Yeah. You know, it's not to say like it's literal language, like the right language. It's just a hint here. And Chris, we'll go to you on this. I mean, here are the, some of the things that I think are interesting about this. Mm-hmm. Blue Box Game Studios seems to tweet during the middle of the night in the Netherlands, but during the workday in Japan. That's one piece of interesting information. The second piece of interesting information is like you said, and that was what made me a believer in quotes was the Hideo thing. I'm like, that is just too much. Also, this dude has there's no one else that we even know, like has even claimed to be on this team. Right. Like you think that there would be some someone else that would come and claim to be on this team. The account for Blue Box was made one year to the date after PT came to PlayStation 4. Uh, That's another interesting thing. Now, it's worth there's way more to this. And so <laughs> it keeps going, dude. <laughs> so you brought up the logo. If you bring up the PlayStation Studios, new PlayStation Studios logo and then Blue Box Game Studios logo and put them together, they're invert. They, they look like they're inverted versions of each other. Like you said, not only the text, but the way they use color is totally inverted. And some people have said, like, well, PlayStation's lo- new logo ends on a blue box. You know, if you look at the Death Stranding tr- director's cut trailer, Sam has a Dutch flag on him. Clear as day. You can go look for yourself. Yeah. There is a random Dutch flag on his armor, right? Like, right. There's all sorts of weird things. Now, the if you this guy, Hassan Karaman, has a confirmed PlayStation Network account. Now, this is where things get really fucking weird. Have you guys have you guys I seen didn't know this. I didn't know any about of this, this stuff? I didn't Let's know about go. this. So if you look at his account, Hassan Karaman, he plays games that don't even exist. One of them is called because, you know, how you can see like the games recently played. He played a game called Demon Blood and Demon Blood doesn't exist. No one knows what it is. And it looks like it could be a pyramid head reference. Some people are saying and that which is, of course, the the antagonist in Silent Hill and his name is Sneaky Warrior and Sneaky Warrior has one thousand two hundred and thirty eight trophies, the same uh, number as the Silent Hill Four Japanese commercial. It's a number that was like, um, prominently shown in silent hill 4's japanese commercial one two three eight so there's all this weird stuff and people are like well what the hell is demon blood like that's not even and there are other like you usually don't get packages that expose things because you can get early access on ps5's network but this isn't something that's usually done for games that are not internal Mm -hmm. like well they'll make a package and send it to everyone i'm I'm trying to read more there's like there's just so much more to this there's uh, some of it I don't think, by the way, is like very convincing. And the one thing that convinces me against it, I should say, is that it seems like this is such a long con that if it is a con that like the guy released like an early access game on iOS and Android. Apparently, the games are both taken down and have only been downloaded a few times each. It just seems like something Kojima would do and just the name of the game. Now, I will say this. And uh, Joshua Weiberg wrote into this about this. He says, hey, guys, I'll keep this short. Is Blue Box Game Studios playing a risky game by clearly leaning into the Silent Hill rumors with their latest tweet? They had to know the feedback they would receive by saying the name of their game starts with an S and ends with an L. I will say this by now. If this is not Kojima, I feel really bad for these guys because it's over. Oh, yeah. Like they're done. You know, it's, it, I, I just can't imagine that anyone's going to want. And so that, that was their mistake. 
but it's just an echo of what has already happened, right? Like Phantom Pain, I, I actually had forgotten about that. That's how long ago that was. And you remember when the Phantom Pain logo was revealed that people quickly figured out it was Metal Gear because if you like put certain lines over it, they all, f- you know how Metal Gear has that awesome logo where it, it writes it out and it's all those lines. You could put those lines over Phantom Pain's logo and it says Metal Gear Solid. So <laughs> I feel like, Chris, this is this has got to be Kojima, right? I mean, I what is your what is your declaration? Because we're going to find out, I think, next week. So I think this has to be something right. Like, I feel like he has to be involved in some capacity with this because it's like you said, it's so weird. And just the Google Translate thing was the big thing for me because I was like, what the fuck is that? Uh, That seems like such an obvious yet like playful kind of like subtle thing to do. I I really there's got to be something to this, but. I, I'm really with you in the sense that, dude, if these people really just leaned into this and they really have nothing to do with Kojima at all, there's going to be blood, man. These are going to be like it's a baby in a blender at that point. Like, this is done. Dunzo. Like, how irresponsible <laughs> to just lean into this. But I, I, yeah, I, think, I, I definitely I think I definitely think there's there's something to this. Like, I, I do think this is a Kojima thing. Like, it's it's just so fucking weird uh, to not be. It'll be really disappointing if it isn't, man. Uh, but I think I think it is. Well, there's what one. You, other, yeah, do, yeah there's go ahead. A, Dustin. There's something that people aren't bringing up either uh, in relation to this story. And that is, I believe, with PT, I can't remember exactly, but I believe that uh, acclaimed manga artist Junji Ito, which some of you may know, I wore a Junji Ito shirt last week on Sacred Symbols. Not related. Maybe I willed it into existence or something. Hmm. In an interview at Comic-Con 2020, he was interviewed and said this, quote, I do know director Kojima, and we have been in conversation that he may have a horror-based game that he may be doing. And so he has invited me to work on that, but there are no details on it yet. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple, there are a couple other interesting things, too. People point out that the Dutch connection might have to do with Gorilla. Obviously, Decima is owned by is run by Gorilla and Kojima is friendly with them. But the important thing to note against that is that the splash screen for the game says that the game is running on Unreal. So I don't know if that connection is relevant, but there are other connections too. one of the interesting things is on one of their games. They made a game called Go Fit XL or like an app of fitness and health yes. app. And it was only downloaded five times and then taken down. And it one and it says personal training PT program as like its description, you know, like just little things like that. And it's, I'm like, can it be? Can it just be this? Like, the, 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 there's only so many coincidences, you know. And I understand, like, look, the human brain is like really good at recognizing patterns, even when there are none. Like, I get that. Like, that's the famous thing about the human brain, but. This just seems like way too many just objectively verifiable coincidences like in a row all related to very specific things that like it's hard for me to believe like Occam's razor to me is that there's something with this that is beyond just like some new studio and some new game. I th- I, I really do think that there's uh, some ties here to Kojima and whatever the hell he's doing. I think it's a little weird. That he would do that, given that he already has a studio. There's no real reason for him to be this cagey. But I think he also likes doing this. I think this is something that he has a lot of fun doing, even in his, uh, you know, 
in his video games themselves. Like, you know, freaking even just going back to Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid one with the, you know, changing controller ports to fight the boss. It's just like weird shit outside of the box thinking that I think Kojima is just really good at. And this seems like something he would have a lot of fun doing. And uh, look, there's there's got to be something here. I, I there's, there's more. I'm, I'm reading, by the way, there's more. But I didn't know this. Jesus Junji Christ. Ito is the guy you brought up, right? Yes. The artist. He's awesome. Demon Blood, the game Hassan Karaman is playing. The art looks like it uses horror, man- uh, horror manga from Junji Ito as its art. So I got to see this. So I that connection is doubly established now. Also, as PlayStation Lifestyle points out, Hassan Karaman, no one knows who this guy is. No record of him anywhere, but he's a verified account on PlayStation Network. It doesn't make any sense. This this doesn't make any sense. And yeah. I want to give this to PlayStation Lifestyle because they say this, and I agree actually with this uh, an assessment, uh, specifically of of the Google Translate thing. They say, quote, since the original publishing of this article, multiple multiple people have pointed out to me that if you translate Hideo from Japanese to Turkish, it becomes Caraman. And there's absolutely no way that's a coincidence. And quote, I agree. Like. That is the one thing. There's no way that that guy's name is coincidentally Hideo. <laughs> so it's, my answer, by be. the way, because Chris may answer. My answer is that, yes, this has to be like, I, I don't understand how this can't be. It's just too many coincidences, man. It's, it's just, just too it's many. Just too, one or two coincidences is one thing. The Dutch flag on his armor in the in the trailer. The th- there's just so much. And it is weird, like they talk about, like it is weird, the one, two, three, eight connection on his number of trophies and all of the rest. I, I, uh, I, Dustin, do you have something to say? The demon blood thing. So the art on that, I'm looking at it now, that's Siren Head, um, which is like an internet creepypasta thing, kind of mm. like Slenderman. Uh, though it's what's so ironic. This is, oh, okay, I see. <laughs> so we're. <laughs> Finding patterns where there are none. I recently watched a video of Junji Ito talking about some of his favorite, like talking about different online creepypasta things. And he had an extended segment where he talked about Siren Head. So there's still like a loose Junji Ito connection there, yeah, which is yeah. probably nothing. That's probably nothing. But, but it's ironic. But I don't still know, ironic. Man. Even if you would, even if you were to like strain all of the all of the like extraneous connections that we're making, like there's still way more than there would be for for any other. Like this is, God help these people if none of this is true. <laughs> if none of this is true, dude. There, I, there, that's the thing is looking for signs where there are none. That's where you have to kind of temper yourself. Like mm-hmm. there are certain things like the the PSN account of Hassan. Caraman leads to a YouTube channel called 2727. Silent Hills was confirmed publicly canceled on April 27th. The other thing that I think is maybe a little weird is that there is in the abandoned trailer, it says kill the trespasser on a, on a wall. And if the, the I don't know if this is anything or not. I, I This is where I'm a little skeptical of stuff. It says kill the trespasser and there's a tree in front of it and the tree is blocking the P and the T. It, the T in the and the P in trespasser. They're just covered up by the tree. And you can clearly see the rest of the. So it's like, I don't know, man. I mean, all I'm saying is God help these guys if this is something else. Yeah, I need a cigarette. I know. Seriously. (laughs) So. All right. So what is Dustin? What is your do you think this is a again? We'll know by the next time we record, I assume. Here's 
what I will say. It is definitely not what it seems. I think we can say, I will say that with certainty. There, There is something going on with this game that is not just uh, a Turkish guy with a Dutch studio releasing a PS5 exclusive game where they're getting in their own app. Yeah, something's up with that. Something is happening. Is it Kojima? That's, I'm a little mixed on because like, dude, the long con, there was, there's a verifiable Kickstarter from 2015. Like, you can't just like, what are they made to deal with Kickstarter to like retroactive? It, it doesn't work that way. Like, yeah, yeah that's, why, that's why I'm, that's why I'm saying like, did they go and buy this entity as a spoof? Did they start planting the seeds for this? Right. A long time ago. Why doesn't anyone who knows this man just say like, oh, I know him. We worked on he worked at Gorilla or, he, you know, yeah. like we don't. This, this is a name that's just like never come up also like yeah. never once has this name come up before like it, it's just very it, all of this is so weird <laughs> here's here's what i'll say and i said this to you colin last night it is either the greatest hoax and pulling a fast one on us that kojima or whoever has ever done this will go down in history as one of the craziest things in the industry or it is the most insane set of coincidences that somebody mistakenly let get ahead get away from them and is yeah. going to crash and fucking burn yeah i mean that's that's the unfortunate reality is they made a catastrophic mistake i'll also notice or note rather silent hills is the name of the game not silent hill so the snl thing could be dubious i mean it's just an unfortunate thing but the, let's just run it i'm not even gonna run down all the weird arcane shit just the the things that matter this guy Whoever he is has a studio who has access to PS5. It's not that weird. Here, look. Oh, don't show the dev kit. Everyone's saying like, oh, he has a, here's a PS5 dev kit. Here's one. It's not that weird that he has one, right? Because a lot of people were saying like, oh, he had access to PS5. He's making an exclusive. I have a fucking PS5 dev kit. So take so take that aside, right? But verified name playing games that have never been announced. Right. The SNL connection, the blue box logo connection, the Dutch connection, when these things are being posted in the middle of the night, maybe as a night owl, who knows, but just on and on and on and on and on and on and on. So my conclusive answer, and I, I could I'm right. I'm wrong about shit all the time. I'm wrong about things all the time. But I, Dustin, I'll say what I agree with you. Whatever this is, is not what it seems. Right. Yeah. There's just no way. Um, I'm excited because. And I want to believe because I think that this could be like a huge post E3 thing. Sony just waiting in the wings being like, oh, that's nice. That's cute. Yeah. Oh, Starfield. That's cute. But we've been planning for six years somehow. This <laughs> this it's fucking ridiculous. ridiculous com now, two other things that I want to know before we move on. The first thing is, is this Konami involved in this? Is it just an is it a horror game that Sony will publish? that Kojima wanted to do that, you know, they're just going to do or because the crazier thing will be when Konami comes out and they're like, oh, yeah, we're in on this. And you see the Konami logo with the, that that classic Konami logo pop up. Mm -hmm. And I I'm going to be amped for that, too. And I was saying that to Micah because she's been playing games for a lot less time than I have. And I was like, you it's sad because you don't know Konami. You don't. Remember Konami as they once existed as a great company. And maybe this is what we need to get them back. And wouldn't it be exciting for them to partner with Sony for some 
exclusives. And I still think Castlevania and Silent Hill would be in the best hands with PlayStation. Um, not they don't have to buy anything or whatever, but just make see what you can do. Yeah, it's exciting. I want to believe. Watch it some parody, some parody game called like Soylent Hall or something. <laughs> some fucking nonsense. <laughs> Sand Hill. <laughs> Sand. <laughs> uh, so I know everyone wanted to hear us talk about that. and I'm, I'm very happy um, to do so. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, boys, let's get into what we're playing. We're all playing Ratchet and Clank, so we can, we can talk about that. What are you guys thinking? Where are you at, Dustin? Yeah, uh, I don't have a lot to add other than uh, I'm noticing a lot more bugs in the game. It's not yes. broken. But I'm noticing, like, I got trapped in an in, in invisible box uh, y- yesterday when I was playing, and I was like, that's weird. Really weird pop-in where I'll be, like, walking, and then, like, environmental geometry will just appear. And I've also ha- seen a lot of reports of people having save corruption issues. Uh, specifically, friend of our friend of the show, Jimmy Champagne, he's been getting save corruption issues, and... I don't know. It's a little, a little weird from Insomniac. They just put out an update today, though, uh, that has a lot of bug fixes. And there's, dude, there was a weird thing that I was tweeting about yesterday with the game was kicking on 120 hertz mode, even though it was playing in 60 yeah. for lower latency. But it was like screwing with people's HDR, which people told me it wasn't a bug. But yet they went and fixed it anyway. Which I, I, it's true that it wasn't a bug. That's a problem with TVs. But it's still it was a it was a actual problem but that was something they fixed but i would argue that still that, qualifies as a bug but right right yeah so either way still really enjoying it i'm finding every I'm time i play that. it i like it more well that's awesome to hear uh chris what do you say about ratchet yeah i i, I don't know if i have much to add to that i think i'm in complete agreement I, i've been having the same experience i fell through the floor once uh, i haven't noticed mm. any i haven't noticed any like uh crazy pop in or anything but i also don't think i'm as far in the game as as uh, either of you guys are i, I kind of put it down a little bit for all the e3 stuff and just a bunch of general stuff to to work on but i i'm finding the same thing where like you know every time i jump back into it i like it a little bit more and and it just feels nice to play and it's just really good like uh i it's a little unpolished in comp- although i will say like miles morales had its own fair share of bugs as well um you know there was this famous one where like uh, miles would just turn into whatever random object uh, the game decided to do to spawn as and i remember some guy was like swinging around new york city as a tree or like <laughs> yeah. uh, or like a, a bag of trash literally uh so it's it's i wouldn't say they're like game breaking bugs or like particularly it's not like uh you know i haven't crashed or anything but you know, I'll, I'll get caught on like a corner somewhere or like I'll fall through the floor once. That's only happened once in, in the entire time that I've played it. But overall, pretty damn good. Maybe like a couple more patches and it'll be like polished to perfection. But even as it stands now, I think it's just really, really good and really, really solid. I think it might be. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's my favorite Insomniac game yet. It's a bit early to tell, but I'm definitely it's definitely getting there. 
I really liked Spider-Man Miles like a lot. So like maybe by the time I'm done with it, it'll 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 beat it. But it's just such a pleasant experience every time I turn it on. You know, it's just like it's just like, ah, oh, how nice. I don't have to think about like, uh, you know, the impending doom of uh, the planet when it's when I'm playing. You don't it, have so. to, but you will. I will. Uh, but like only only after. Sure. You know? So I'm about 70 percent through the game. I'm trying to really slow burn it because it is short and it's clear that it is. And actually, we got a letter from this. A few people wrote in about this, but our friend Captain Canada, our moderator over on our very popular discord, you can join, says, look, fats, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is here and it's fantastic. Unfortunately, a common criticism I'm seeing is that it's not long enough. Some people seem to have been expecting 40 plus hours, which has never been Ratchet and Clank style. While I disagree with the length criticism and ha and am more than happy with the purchase, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on the matter. Should it have been longer? Thanks for all your hard work. It seems a little short. I've played most of the Ratchet and Clank games, and it seems a little short, but I don't know. Here's my, my critique of it. I'm playing on normal, so obviously this is modular, but it's a little easy. And that I was a little disappointed in where I'm like, I, I die pretty often, but it's mostly because I'm just like doing crazy shit. And it's mostly the game's fault. There's a, I don't want to only blame the game, but there's a lot of environmental stuff where I'm like, why can't I go on that? Why oh, can't yeah, I jump yeah, yeah. there? There's like stuff like right below you where I try to jump onto this platform and I just die. Right. Because I'm like, try, I'm trying. I know it's like you're not supposed to go there yet. I'm like, yeah, why it, not? It's it, right it, there. Why it's, can't I just jump on it? It's like yeah. there's a lot of weird kill barriers and weird invisible right. walls in, in places right. that you I've definitely tried that, too, where I'm like, I'm trying to jump on a on a rock ledge that very, very clearly seems like I could jump onto it. And there's just an invisible wall that pushes me away. And it's just like, oh, that's a little weird. Why? That's I, I understand Ratchet and Clank's a pretty linear uh, fair, but like. I don't know. The, the, the whole appeal to me in games that allow you to jump is the fact that, like, there's all this environmental um, geometry that you can take advantage of because you can jump. And I have noticed that where it's like, I'll try to get creative with the way that I approach right. something. Right. And the game is like, no, 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 no. Like, go back into the arena and shoot things. And it's like, it's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. But again, like, my history with the franchise is very, very minimal. So I don't know if that's, like, standard. Well, in my opinion, because I had just played Ratchet 2016 again two months ago. I platinumed it. I hadn't played it since it came out. And I feel like that's a better game. I mean, but I will say that there's so much charm in this game. And I think where this game really excels is in its heart. It's very fun to play. It's beautiful. And it's it's just incredibly charming. I love the characters, you know, Kit, the new droid type ratchet or clank characters adorable and she's got like social anxiety and and i love rivet i think she's awesome not only because she has my earrings of course but also because she you know she's really adorable and she's funny and she's brave and you can see all of the trappings of what is could potentially be so attractive to younger people if they can just engineer this franchise towards them better and i know that that's something sony clearly wants mm -hmm. but i do think the game seems short and I do think the game seems easy and I do think that the game seems a little bit rough in the ways Chris was describing, because I don't remember having any problems like that in old Ratchet games where, in fact, what was weird was I, I, I was trying to like jump up on some stuff and it was I, it was working. I almost felt like I was forcing myself to do it, like getting stuck and then like jumping, just hit mashing X and you and then at the top of it was like a fucking gold bolt. And I was like, but it didn't even seem like I should have gone up here. 
and then when I'm when I, when there are parts where they're just like boxes and I'm trying to jump up them, just a barrier stopping me from even hit, hitting them. So I feel like the game is a little unpolished, hmm. and it has nothing to do with like what Chris said with the there's no draw distance issues, there's no pop in, there's no frame rate stutter, nothing like that. There's no technical issues like that. It's just when you'll see when you play it, and maybe this stuff will be patched by the time many of you do. But it's just a little not fine. The camera's a little weird. It clips sometimes. There's just there are issues for sure. I'm a little surprised by the glowing nature of the reviews for this game. I think it's a great game. I recommend it. I think it's a $70 game. I think it's really fun. And I don't need games to be more than 10 hours like this. I think that's a perfect time to play it. But I'm a little surprised that it's getting like glowing reviews because the game must have been in even worse shape when critics were playing it. So I'm skeptical. I'm, ge- I'm becoming more and more skeptical of this whole cycle of people getting early access to games. They review them. Look what happened with Cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm not saying it's not great. I'm just saying I was going into it expecting a little more. And I wonder if some people just have never played Ratchet and Clank because I think a lot of the. A lot of the game is just Ratchet and Clank. It's just Ratchet and Clank. This is what Ratchet and Clank is. It's just a more beautiful Ratchet and Clank. I will say the decidedly shite part of the game. I should say parts. The kit and the Clank parts or the it's like the little crab part. It's not even kit. It's like oh, the little like crab those. thing. And the thing with when you solve the puzzles with Clank, they're fine. But I'm like, why do you think that I want to do this? I want to play as Ratchet or Rivet. And I maybe just make another planet for me to go to instead of thinking that I want to like play as rat as Clank. I don't, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's just I don't. That's like the last thing I want to do is play yeah, as Clank. Yeah. He's a little machine that's boring as fuck. To I, play it, I, yeah, I, I don't necessarily mind those sections as much. Um, they do. They do remind me, though, of, you know, Spider-Man, the original PS4, mm. where, you know, you'd go back to the lab and Otto Octavius would would come up to you and he'd say, "Marty, I built a time machine out of a DeLorean or whatever the hell." And you and you do these like weird little, uh, <laughs> these weird little like uh, hexic HD puzzles or almost or like, <laughs> and you could not do them at the time. Like I, I think there's a way to skip them now, but like when, when I when we played it the first time, you just had to do these puzzles. And I'm like, dude, I just want to be Spider Man. And it seems like th- those parts are an evolution of that kind of gameplay section where it's like, all right, we still want to get in your way somehow, (laughs) but let's make it a little bit more action oriented. So it's not just like a flat screen and like a puzzle game. Let's make it so like, yeah, you're clank and you're walking around and you're redirecting clones of yourself. And God knows what the implication of that even is. Uh, But they just, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Insomniac, uh, for as much as I love them, and as much as many great games as they've given us in the past, like just a handful of years, they do have this thing where they, they, it feels like sometimes they can't get out of their own way because the gameplay loop of Spider-Man is awesome. And I don't want that disrupted. And they, they learned that, I think, with Miles. And the gameplay loop of Ratchet and Clank that, I, that I've only been recently familiar, familiarizing myself with is really enjoyable. So, like, when I am kind of forced into this weird little spider tank or forced to play as Clank, it is kind of like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is a strong... I don't mind it as much as you do. I think they're still kind of fun and still kind of enjoyable. But I could see them, like, I've only done those, uh, each of those once so far. So, like, they're still novel to me. 
but I could see potentially having to do it multiple times over the stretch of like however many hours this game lasts for, I could see them maybe overstaying their welcome a little bit. In the same way those puzzles in Spider-Man just totally just derailed <laughs> the experience. But Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a good point to connect that because of the connection between the devs. I also, Chris, I, you know what I've been really... So you'll appreciate this. I, I reached out to my friend Marcus Smith who directed the game. Mm. And uh, he directed Resistance, of course. And uh, we've been friends for a while. And I just congratulated him. I'm like, it's a, it's a really fun game. It's a great game. Very well done. And uh, he also directed the Spider-Man DLC, if you were into that. Yeah. And so he reached back and I was like, who did the animation for the... The dash, for, you know, the dash animation. And he's like, oh, that was, you know, so and so he was responsible for the death animations in Sunset Overdrive. And I when I started playing the game, I realized that there is a lot of Sunset Overdrive in the death animation. Generally, the way you come back in and basically reform and then and drop back into the world, just like Sunset Overdrive. So I thought you would appreciate that because um, that is really cool. Th- yeah, there is some heritage there, which I thought, Dustin, what do you think about? Am I wrong about these? ancillary parts i think that in ratchet 2016 the clank parts were better they Mm. were more straightforward and i did notice although i noticed it accidentally and definitely took advantage of it after i noticed it is that you can skip the puzzles right in the game which i actually didn't notice until i i just paused because i was like i'm gonna go do whatever the fuck it is i'm gonna do and then i was like oh skip puzzle okay right i had no (laughs) idea i had no idea Yeah. yeah yeah no i well that's the thing that's good is that they're skippable and i think they learned that from uh, Spider-Man that some people just don't want to do that which is totally fine I don't know I kind of liked it I think it's because it reminds me of like the game Lemmings like you got to set up mm. the correct path <laughs> yeah. yeah and so exactly yeah I don't know it's I thought it was a nice little little bonus but I also dude I don't I think it's because the little part when you play as the the ro- the the spider robot I think that little spider robot is so cute and I like she how is cute. she's she worried is. and like yeah. and then they're just long enough. If they were any longer, I'd be like, mm, but I think they're just a nice little little taste of something different. Yeah. The character is the characterization in the game is absolutely Great. phenomenal. Yeah. Just stellar. absolutely. Fun. Yeah. The, it's funny and it's cute. I love Mrs. Zircon because I'm a big fan of Mr. Zircon. I think Mr. Zircon and Chris has never played the old ratchets. Mr. Zircon is fucking awesome. And he's basically like a, a robot that you ha- it's like one of your weapons and you hail him and he just talks shit and like attacks the robots with you and he's like you know mr zircon eats robots for breakfast and like like shit like that so it's cool to see mrs zircon in the fold and you're buying weapons from her and zerkies is like the place where they all kind of hang out that's the arena which is a lot of fun so there's and there's a lot of throwbacks the pixelator and some of the other weapons the the gloves of doom and all of that those are all old weapons so there's a lot of nice tethers to the past but i want to say that i think it the game is adorable and i think that that is its strongest the strongest part of it the characters are likable the voice acting is great good things happen to them it's about camaraderie and friendship and overcoming obstacles so i think it's a great game obviously for children and like micah and i were saying what they always do really well with ratchet and i think do it even better in this game than they ever have is it's funny for adults and it's funny for children for two different reasons and that's the best kind of stuff the multi-layered stuff where an adult's going to get something out of it where they're going to because they say crazy shit in the game. Like, they say nuts. They're nuts in the game. Like, they say really funny things, especially the NPCs and, and like, just passing by people and they're talking about economics and government making these obscure jokes that it's probably for your dad or your mom when they're watching you play. Meanwhile, you're, you just think Ribbit is really adorable and you love Kit or whatever. And 
my my question is, and I assume we'll learn at the end, and I don't know, and we'll we'll get into it in our own review discussion and spoiler cast in the coming weeks. Is are we going to get a rivet game, and a rivet and kit game? And I'll say, yeah, I think we are. <laughs> I would I would be surprised if that if Ratchet and Clank on PS5 didn't get DLC that was just rivet. Yeah, but I don't know anything about that. I'm not I'm not telling you anything I know. One thing I will Dustin, say. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Before we move on, please. I really appreciate the fact that. It understands it's a video game enough to when it switches between Rivet and Ratchet, they keep the upgrades between yeah, them, awesome. and it's like yeah, that, and they actually note that it doesn't make any sense. Like yeah, she says, like yeah. I don't know how it works. You know, it's, I, it's I yeah, I appreciate the fact that they do that because I, there are plenty of games where they would have been like, nah, man, we gotta make it so you gotta unlock them twice. Pads out playtime, <laughs> dude. Like, I could see yeah, that. You're absolutely right. They could have definitely padded Dude, the playtime with that. Easily. But, like, I appreciate Respect. the fact that even though it doesn't make sense, it's for my convenience. And I, I value that highly. Awesome. Yeah, very well said. Dustin, I was just going to kick it back over to you quick because you put Destiny 2 in here, too. I didn't know if you had anything else you wanted to Oh, yeah. To, well, to say. I... I had it in there when I think you had a couple other stuff and then you kind I of had Rainbow it down. Moon and then I removed it because I had nothing to say about Rainbow Moon. Yeah, yeah. that's I'm still playing. I'm trying so hard to get uh, raid ready so Chris and I can can play and it's just uh, it's fun. It's this is the frustration of live service games is that there's only so many things you can do in a week to level up. And so like last week I did everything and I'm almost done this week with all the things that I can do to level up. So we'll see. And then we can. We can update everybody on the the vault of class, yeah, and then we'll do Indeed. we'll do that raid. What le, uh, what level are you? Light level? Ooh, that's a good question. I can never remember off the top of my head. I want to say that I'm in the the eighties as far as like, because it goes up to thirteen hundred. I'm twelve seventy seven. Okay, so I'm, you got you got a ways to go. I got a ways to go. I'm sure that number has some sort of significance to Hideo Kojima as well. So you're in on the, uh, <laughs> you're in on it. Yes. All right, boys, almost two hours into the show. Let's get into the news. There's a lot to talk about, but there are only a few, I would say, big pieces of items, big items. And I I definitely want to get everyone's take on this first one, because holy moly, I think uh, something big is about to happen (laughs) in reverse. Number one is Bluepoint's Demon's Souls remake coming to the PlayStation 4. Well, maybe a Twitter account known as PlayStation Game Size tweeted out the possibility, noting that there is an entry in the PlayStation Network. For a PS4 iteration of the game, they note in part that, quote, this version can be canceled, can be released soon, or can only be a small test for developers, end quote. But his website, Push Square, confirms this account, known for having some sort of back-end access to the PSN for scraping purposes, is never wrong about what it finds. So now we're left to wonder what it means. And the reality is no one knows. While it's unclear if similar files have been found for other could-be ports, others have rightfully noted that a small handful of games have received published trophy lists for ports that never appeared. Biggest among them, Insomniac's late PS3 release, Ratchet and Clank Into the Nexus, which never came to Vita, but had a Vita trophy list. So right now, all we're doing is working with what little information we have, that there's a PSN entry in the database for a PS4 version of Demon's Souls. Demon's Souls was a PlayStation 3 exclusive that launched in 2009. Developed by From Software, it's widely considered to be the progenitor of the Soulsborne series, including Dark Souls and Bloodborne that From is now renowned for. This entry would almost certainly be for the 2020 remake, however... A PlayStation 5 launch exclusive from Bluepoint Games, it's been hypothesized that it could be downgraded and brought to PS4. Dustin, I want to ask you, do you think it's I want to ask you two things. Do you believe that this is happening? And two, do you think it's possible from a technical level? Because it mm. seems to me that I don't know why you wouldn't get Demon Souls running on PS4 
if I'm going to just throw it back into everyone's faces that they keep telling me it's so easy to bring games between the two consoles. It's so easy. Right. Right. Then. If you can make the sliders go up, then certainly I guess you can bring, bring the sliders down, but I don't really know. I don't know the nature of this game enough to know if it can come over because the more I play Ratchet and Clank, the more I'm not convinced that it can run, that there's anything they can do to make that game run on PS4. Even though last week I said that I, I was kind of convinced that they could. I'm a little more skeptical of that. I'm a lot more skeptical of that idea now, but not right. so much with Demon Souls at yeah. all. So what do you think? No, I think that in this game, this game in particular could be ported to PS4 in the fact that it's it's really a one-to-one remake, so we're not seeing the the level design changes. It does take advantage of the SSD, of course. Like, there's instantaneous loading into levels and stuff like that. But again, that that could be changed for uh, the PlayStation 4, where there's just going to be atrocious loading times. Right, like with and Miles Morales, for instance. Yeah, or it'll be 1080p uh, 30. Yeah, at, you know. So that's, what maybe, I, that's what I would assume is going to be 1080p 30. Yeah. Right. Now, okay, so that answers that question. The other question, is it coming to PS4? So, Colin, you knew more, I mean, you kind of, uh, I don't know if you were the four, you were one of the first people to re- to publicly report on this game. Well, right? the game was rumored. I was the first person to say that it was actually real. Right. Yeah, that it was 100% real that I found out. Yeah. I'm wondering, at, maybe at one point in development, if this game, they were starting it as a PS4 game, uh, or or something like that, or maybe they were toying around with the idea of it being cross-gen and then they decided to make it PS5 only, so maybe that's a remnant of that. But again, I don't know enough about the back-end system. It's like, why would... Is this something that just appeared, or is this that, something someone just found? That's what I'm trying... I actually responded to the Push Square's tweet to try to solicit more information because I had questions. I was like, okay, so we know that this account isn't wrong about what it finds, but... Is there are there other first or second party examples of database entries for games that didn't appear? And we don't know the answer to that question. We don't know if the scraping is constantly constantly happening or if they go into different parts of the network so that this might have been there for years. We also don't know. And someone had brought up a a good point. If this is older, this could have been like a canceled or faux port of the original Demon Souls. So there are a lot of different things all we know is that it's there that there is some sort of database entry for a ps4 demon souls but we don't know any other answers right now i i I wonder um chris what you make of this situation i think i mean like you said there's a number of possibilities i think it's very possible I'll, i'll say this it's of the games that we've seen running exclusively on next gen hardware i think this is the one where I would have the least trouble believing that it could be back, backwards engineered. Because, like, it's beautiful. It is gorgeous. I think, honestly, still probably the best looking thing I've seen. Like, it's, I, 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 it's unreal. Like, the resolution and then just the, the smoothness of it, it's, it's crazy. But that's a slider. Like, that is, that could easily be brought down. There's, infinite number of ways that that could be brought down to meet the standards of you know a ps4 pro you know it's it's very it's very easy uh because especially because it's segmented by loading screens anyway you know there are there's loading that happens it's just so fast that it's seamless but it that'll just be a loading screen then big deal we've seen that a million times so i think it's very believable that this could exist on ps4 i wonder (sighs) If there's even a reason to do that, though, 
if if Demon Souls like would you want to play a Demon Souls remake if it's some you know sub 1080 30 frames per second compromise if you know that there's something like infinitely better on the next machine is that something that's going to drive people to it like will it garner that much attention I don't know if it would I know that game has its fans and I have a strong suspicion that most of those fans own this new version already so I'm just curious as to what the reason would be to even bother backwards engineering it if if Bluepoint could just move forward you know and just make something make the next thing that they're working on sure a lot has to a lot has to do with whether or not this is a new thing that popped up or whether or not this is an old thing that was found because i do think if it was an old thing that that was found i think it's largely possible that this like you said was just planned for ps4 originally and just made the scope was brought up extra extra high for next gen and they just found it or you know there's a lot of i i i'll say i don't think this is coming to ps4 like, I, I don't think so. I don't think it's worth anybody's real... I don't think it's worth anybody's time to do that, you know? But, you know, I could be wrong. There's one piece of interesting evidence, I think, that suggests that this is happening. In addition, the original Demon Souls, or one of the original Demon Souls trailers, you might remember, was deleted because there was a stinger on it that said PlayStation exclusive um, for PS5, not available on other consoles for a limited time, also coming to PC. And then they removed that at the end. This was before PS5 even came out. Hmm. So I do think this game's coming to PS4. And I think that if this happens, I mean, at that point, you have nothing of consequence except for Ratchet and Clank now. Yeah, that's exclusive to the console. So whether or not that matters or not, I'm just kind of I'm trying to take the opposite or the the tact in reverse. Everyone's like, it's so easy. Well, it's got to be. If it's just that easy, then okay, there you go. You were right. And by the way, can't ignore those 120 million PS4s, right, guys? They'd be stupid to do that. So I'm just playing, you know, take your medicine. Yeah. Nerds. Uh, all right. Real Radic wrote into us on Patreon, says, hey, CDC, with Demon Souls being rated for PS4, it's not, it wasn't rated for PS4, so let's be very clear about that. Is it possible that all the other PS5 exclusives we have right now, Returnal, Destruction All-Stars, and Ratchet, will be ported to PS4, leaving Astro as the only true PS5 exclusive we have? I am of the mind that Destruction All-Stars clearly can work on PS4. Yeah. I don't know if they would even bother, although that is a second party game they publish, so maybe they want to make some money out of it. I'm actually pretty convinced Returnal could work, too. I just think that they have to bump the resolutions down and it's just not going to load very well. But it's what I said earlier, because I see Dustin shaking his head a little bit. I'm just going to note that they said the same fucking thing about Resogun, and then they brought it backwards anyway. They mm-hmm. said it to my face multiple times. We cannot make this game work on PS3. The voxels will not let us work. The frame rates will not let us work. The resolution will not let it work. And then it came to Vita, which is even weaker than PS3. So I don't want to I'm not even into any of the like, well, it doesn't seem like a lot of things don't seem possible. And yet they happen. So what do you think? I don't think specifically in the case of Returnal, mainly in the fact that it's already running. <laughs> I can't speak on a total authority because I don't know. I'm pretty sure that it's running at like a 1080p that, that they then upscale. And in addition, I, I don't know about you, Colin. I was having some major frame rate chugging. On Returnal? Uh, spe- yeah, in Returnal. Yep. Specifically in Biome 4 with the rain. Man, it was 
bad at some point. So like this game, I feel like I don't want to say it barely runs on PS5, but it's not like uh, Resogun, which ran at like, you know, a really solid frame rate. And then like, I just don't know. It, I, I'm trying to imagine what the how this would run on base PS4, like 720p with a variable 30 uh just because of how yeah inconsistent it currently is on PS5 like maybe which the question is is that due to I don't think that's at the fault of the performance of the PS5 I think that that's a coding thing yeah like it's I'm probably... not trying to shit on Housemark and their abilities cuz clearly they have done an amazing job optimizing games but Returnal is is not there yet yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I think Returnal is one of those things that you you could probably get it running on PS4 if you if you really threw in a lot of loading screens and maybe like like you said with Biome Four with all the rain maybe like get rid of the rain entirely like yeah, turn on, to like like turn particle effects off and like and all this all this other stuff which is weird. That's the one thing. It's like that whole game is almost particle effects. You know, like right. it's it almost. It almost the particle effects of Returnal are almost central to the experience. I would I would almost argue so. Like whether it would be worth it to tone all that down to get it to work on a PS4 in a in a very very compromised state. I'm not sure. I'm sure they could do it. I just think it would it would impact the overall feeling of what the game actually is and what it's trying to be more so than uh, Demon Souls would be impacted by a, a lack of like high resolution or like a lower frame rate I think it, I think it's just more it more it has more to do with the identity of Returnal so I, I think that's the one thing that would prevent that from running on on PS4 especially base like that's the thing that these people have to consider as well like if they're if they're bringing things back you're not thinking about PS4 Pro you're not, you, mm -hmm. you know, that that's your target. But if it's on PS4 Pro, that means a person with a base PS4 can download and play it. And there's no way Returnal's running at anything more than like five to ten frames a second on a base PS4. Like it's it's the base PS4 is hilarious as a machine now. But we'll hear more about that in a little while. As well. Yeah, but uh, Ratchet, I think. I, I think Ratchet is the one that I, I, I can't see working. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, the more I play it, the more I'm like, I just... I think they overstated how impressive it is, but it still just doesn't seem like it would work. I, there there are just there are boss fights and stuff that just wouldn't even work. So I, I, I'm somewhat convinced about that, but you can't... You, can you blame people for being skeptical? No. Now? In fact, ben, ben Black wrote in us just about this. He says on Patreon, he says, hey, baby boys, first time, long time. Welcome, Ben. Colin, I've been a fan since the Beyond days and couldn't be more pleased with your current success with Last Stand. Thank you. I wanted to comment on the news that there is potentially a PS4 version of Demon's Souls remake. Up until now, I've been ambivalent about the lack of a true PS5 exclusive because I bought a PS5 under the pretense that uh, Demon's Souls remake would be only, he says DSR, I've never seen that before, would only be playable on the next gen console. It would feel like a bit of a kick in the nuts if it released on PS4, as then I would truly have no reason to own the PS5. Thanks for all the great content and please continue to treat that chicken with respect. I mean, I agree with you, Ben. I, if you're a PlayStation fan, if you're plugged in, why wouldn't you be skeptical right now? They're yeah. bringing games between the consoles. And so any other game that's been purported to be a PS5 exclusive, you should look at it and be be skeptical. And, and the only reason I'm more skeptical about Returnal, I, I take your guys point and it seems like it would be a lot of work. But I was just there when they said the same thing about Returnal to me. Or I'm sorry, about Resogun and 
And it made me look like an asshole, actually, and an idiot. Because I was like, I, I went on and on about how on Podcast Beyond at the time, they can never bring it over. It's, they said, and then it fucking came. You know, so that's why I'm skeptical. And to Ben's point, see, like, Destruction of All-Stars, I think, can definitely be brought over. I, again, I just don't know if they even care yeah. to, to bring it over. But that's one thing. And Demon Souls, I, I'm let's get on the record right now. Dustin, is Demon Souls coming to PlayStation 4? No. Chris? I, I don't think so. Like, I, I just don't see the point. <laughs> I could go either way, though. You put me nope. on the spot. Yeah. It's a 50-50 for me, but, like, I'm leaning, like, 51-49 to, like, I, I don't think I don't think it's coming. But, you know, we'll see. I'm 90-10, yes, on, on Demon Souls coming to PS4. I just feel like, I don't think the game sold very well, first of all. And... Mm. So I think that it's not Bluepoint's fault. They did a great job. It's critically acclaimed, but I think it's just they want to probably move it over. That old trailer that was deleted with the stinger was removed, clearly indicated that it was going to come to PlayStation 4 and the PC. And I think that they've been playing this game with everything. And if they're playing, I want to let me put it this way. If they're playing this game with games that haven't even come out yet. So games that are theoretically more technologically advanced, broader, bigger, whatever, and those are coming to PS4, then there's no reason to think that Demon's Souls remake isn't coming to PS4. Mm-hmm. That's my whole take on it. Yeah. There's just no reason whatsoever to believe that. Whether or not it happens or not is another thing entirely, but I totally understand the skepticism and I'm on the side of the skeptics. Yeah. I think of all the games exclusive to PS5, I think it's it's the one that would would work the easiest, but Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I just think it'd be so dumb to do. But I mean, you know, the industry is no no stranger to dumb. So it would be stupid for them to leave 120 million PS4 consumers behind. That is that is also true. <laughs> that's that's going to be my answer now every time that this happens. That is, that's and, what everyone's answer was. Is they like to protect corporations like they work there. You know? I know it is accurate, though. I mean, like if you got all that people, all those people, man. Yeah. Make make your money. But like, um, I just think like you saying I just think it's just like. I feel like every Demon Souls fan bought it, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I don't know even because that was like the big thing for PS5. Like, dude, if there's a Demon Souls fan who like understood that, oh, Demon Souls remake is coming to PS5, they're going to get a PS5 for any like they're going to beat an old woman with a stick to get that thing. You know, they'll get it. They those people have PS5s. I'm sure of it. So I feel like they got every all the money that they could have possibly got out of it. But I am. I don't we'll work see. there. So, yeah, we'll find no out. No idea. Number two, there's an interesting piece of news wedged in a story out of Bloomberg, Japan, concerning the manufacture and release of displays. It appears Sony is planning to release the successor to PlayStation VR, which we call PSVR 2 on the show in the holiday season of 2022. In its report about OLED screens used in virtual reality headsets, the writer notes that most VR manufacturers aren't interested in OLED for VR except Sony, which has apparently tapped fellow Japanese tech company Samsung to make the OLED. Actually, Samsung is Korean, isn't it? To make yeah. the OLED panels for PSVR 2. Reaffirming Sony's publicly touted five plus million sold number for the original PSVR launched in 2016, Sony, quote, is aiming to release a successor in the holiday period next year, end quote. It's worth noting that Sony has officially announced and acknowledged the second PlayStation VR, though it hasn't yet named it, dated it, or given us many details apart from its all new controllers and the fact that it won't use a camera. Now we have confirmation of its OLED display. We know who's making it and we know when Sony is aiming to mass market PSVR's successor. This sounds like a perfect time mm-hmm. to yeah. get, get it out. Big question, of course, is how much it's going to cost. Dustin, do you have any uh, note on this? Is, does it pique your interest at all? 
I the only thing I'll say is that I'm pleased about it being an OLED instead of a traditional LCD, just because OLED's the big thing, the true co- zero whatever infinity contrast. So the the blacks are are totally blacked out in the fact that if you have an LCD screen and you've got text on your screen, there's going to be bloom around it because it has to light up all the pixels behind it, whereas OLED is individual. So it makes a big big difference especially when a screen is one inch from your eyeballs like so to see a lot of other vr manufacturers move away particularly like oculus is disappointing that's a downgrade but Mm -hmm. so to see sony stick with oled i think that's the right call for the better experience chris what do you uh are you uh looking forward to this i mean what do you what do you make yeah, of the timing no, i think it's good timing i think uh i think this is awesome and i i agree with dustin i think ola is fucking i think OLED's perfect especially especially for vr because one of the biggest things about oled is that like they, they they're kind of notorious for not working all that well in like bright like if you have like windows like light coming in it's, it's kind of like it kind of interferes with the fact that like it's very I don't even know how to describe like the way that it interferes, but it just does in ways that it doesn't interfere with uh, normal LED or LCD screens. So a VR usage of it makes total sense because the screen is in complete dark around your face. So you're going to get like the best possible picture out of that that you could possibly get. And it's just like that is really smart for VR. And this, this is great. This is all good news as far as I'm concerned. You know, well, we'll see. We don't have much more to say about it. They've acknowledged it. We know it exists. So that's cool enough. Now this news comes out of Bloomberg Japan about timing. So we can look forward to that in the holiday of 2022. It also puts our uh, minds in the context of what that holiday season might look like in terms of game releases and what they might emphasize at that time. And maybe even what first and second party games will be running on the machine at that time. It wouldn't be surprising to see the likes of Pixel Opus pop back up at that point and maybe a couple of other smaller teams in the first and second party. And maybe we get a game like, I don't know, man. I mean, can you get God of War and in the goggles can you get horizon in the goggles i don't know i don't even know yeah. if people want to play it that maybe way. they'll be but a... i do think they need to do that more if they want to make psvr a thing like I, I, yeah totally i'm i'm sure i'm sure insomniac will have something also like right. uh, in, in they some have capacity. a lot of experience yeah that's true they were with oculus for a while it's a good point all right number three can't believe it's happening if you've been looking to play cyberpunk 2077 on playstation 4 and failed to acquire a physical copy or buy a digital version in the few days it was available there's good news Sony has cleared it to return to the PlayStation Store. Word comes by way of a regulatory announcement from publisher slash developer CD Projekt, and it says that the company, quote, hereby publicly discloses the decision by Sony Interactive Entertainment to reinstate the availability of the digital edition of Cyberpunk 2077 on PlayStation Store effective on June 21st, end quote. So if you're listening on free feeds, the game is now available for you to play. However, you shouldn't jump in headfirst, particularly if you're playing on a base or slim PlayStation 4. A statement from Sony regarding the re-release of the game is relayed by Eurogamer candidly says in part, quote, users will continue to experience performance issues with the PS4 edition while CD Projekt Red continues to improve stability across all platforms. SIE recommends playing the title on PS4 Pro or PS5 for the best experience, end quote. Cyberpunk 2077 launched in late 2020 and based on an 80s paper and pencil RPG was stripped from PlayStation 4 not even a week after release due to notoriously poor performance. By the time it returns, it would have been unavailable to buy for six months on the platform. It's worth noting that a native PlayStation 5 iteration is still apparently en route this year. CD Projekt, the Polish team best known for its pioneering work on 2015's The Witcher 3, is largely seen as falling from grace following the launch of this game, though it's still surpassed 13 million copies sold. What do you uh, make of this, Dustin? Cyberpunk is triumphantly returning, and yet you're a gamer smart enough to get a comment from Sony 
that you should stay away from this thing uh, still. That's what it says to me. It says like we don't really have a way to keep this off anymore, but maybe you should not play it. (laughs) What do you think? That's I I kind of feel like if they have to make a distinction, then maybe they shouldn't put it back on yet because they made a big this is this is ancient history now. But before PS4 Pro came out, they made a big deal about there being no PS4 Pro exclusive games The games would be able to run on base and regular. So what they're doing now is kind of like this half step like, well, we're going to we're going to let people buy it, even though they shouldn't play it. That just doesn't seem like a good move for the consumer still. Like, don't put it back on if it's not ready for those base consoles yet. And it may be a situation where, uh, dude, they've CD Projekt Red has fucked this up so bad because yeah. really, ultimately, it never should have even been released for PS4 or yeah, base PC consoles. only. PC only. Yeah. If they, PS- they should have just done that. Right. And then waited for the next gen version or something. Right. So. I don't know. I think this is a a bad move just because I feel bad for the person who's not in the know, who's not listening to this podcast or reading game sites and they see this pop back on the store and they're like, oh, it's ready for my base PS4 now and buys it. Yeah. Are they going to put a big red flag, a warning if you buy, if you're on a base PS4 and you go to try to buy it? Surely this will happen to somebody. No, a lot and of people, I assume. I don't, I just think that sucks. Yeah, I do too. I, I think Chris, my my contention here is that CD Projekt probably went to them at some point. And we're like, listen, like there are horrible games on PlayStation Network, like, and it's true. I mean, that's that's the problem when you don't curate, yeah, for quality and for and for stability of games. There are games on PS4 that have no business being on PlayStation 4, and so I think at some point you kind of have to be like, listen, this is crazy. You're kind of singling us out, and I think that that's actually a valid thing to yeah. say. <laughs> I, I, I'm personally I, there's so much to play that I think I'll just wait for the PS5 native version at this point yeah yeah. like what's the what's even the point and I don't really want to pay for this game I, I I'm kind of CD Projekt's kind of disappointing I, I I feel like they knew exactly what was going on I feel like they're liars and they really made a lot of people look like fools by not even me because I don't give a shit about the game but there's just a lot of people standing this game for years yeah, and even just the way that they handled the review process where they like very, very intentionally curated the version that would receive scores. Uh, they And they gave people like the best possible version. And, and it's it's a it's a real shame, man. Like, I can't think of a company that has ruined their reputation worse and so quickly. Like, I really like even dude, even when. Even when 343 put out the, the Master Chief Collection in its completely bunked state, like, even they managed to recover some goodwill. And I, I just don't see that even happening for CD Projekt for a very long time. Like, this is, like, serious. Like, the damage they did. And I, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I feel like this would have been so much better if they just kept it to next gen. Because, honestly, like, even playing... Because I played on Xbox... Uh, series x and it you know it's by no means like next gen like it's not like the the proper like it, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles but like it runs perfectly well enough and i enjoyed my time with it and i th- i think they probably could have gotten away with it if they just had like if they just had a ps5 version that like crashed a little bit like that that sucks but that's way better than like 
whatever the hell's going on on <laughs> on base PS4 where there are like faceless pol- polygonal ghosts walking around and and you it's almost got like a Balan problem where like th- there's reverse draw distance in Cyberpunk 2077 on base PS4 and and, uh, and uh, X- Xbox One sometimes. Well, wouldn't wouldn't it wouldn't wasn't there a I think they patched this out, but wasn't it erasing everything behind you that wasn't in the scene like? It yeah. was doing something like that, would just remove everything from RAM, yeah, I guess, yeah. that was not being seen. So like you would turn back around and everything would be in different places and Yeah, yeah. The second the second weird. you the second you turn around, everything that's behind you is is gone. Which is in fairness how a lot of single player games do work. It's just that they keep the memory of what's behind you like loose in uh, in the cache and then they like re render it when you go back. But this one was just like you've turned around, it's gone. It's completely gone. Don't worry about it. And like the police did weird things where they would just kind of like spawn out of nowhere. That was in the in the Series X version as well. But I don't know. It's it's it it's a huge shame that they, they're even in this position. But they they do have a point where it's like, yeah, there's fucking terrible games on PlayStation 4 that run horribly. I would assume that's got to be the argument at some point, right? Like, come on, man. Why are you guys singling us out? And I think that that's valid. But we got a a letter in actually from Matthew Major. Matthew, your timing couldn't have been any worse because he said, hey, guys, just want to know why you're so upset about cross generation play for new games. I have never heard you guys talk about the PlayStation Pro was the next console and everyone could still play on both consoles. I feel this is not a big deal. There is no need to get a PlayStation 5 for sure, but I think you are way too upset about it. There will definitely be console exclusives eventually. Thanks for everything, Matt. I know you wanted to write in about something else, but um, I I had to just use your letter because your timing is so poor. Because, first of all, anyone who knew me at Kind of Funny knew that I bitched about PlayStation 4 Pro for like two years straight. But the <laughs> second thing is, is that, and I did, and I was wrong about that, but I did. So you, you, maybe you're new to, <laughs> newer to the audience. But the second thing is, is that now, we, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's also not and by the way, it's not the only example. There are other games that you really should not play on PS4 that should be played on PS4 Pro. This is the only time I've ever seen Sony explicitly say it, though. Yeah, yeah, totally. Matthew, thank you for writing in, though. Sometimes you have to be that guy. <laughs> number four there's some sad news from take two owned developer rockstar that we have to relay grand theft auto 5 along with a couple of other games are losing soon their support on playstation 3 this is relevant because gta 5 is the conduit by which players access the ever popular grand theft auto online via ps3 according to an announcement gta online for playstation 3 will be taken offline on december 16th and it will not affect single player functionality if you're curious, L.A. Noir and Max Payne 3 are also losing their online functionality on PS3, though it'll be happening much sooner in mid-September. Grand Theft Auto V first came to PlayStation 3 in September of 2013, right before PS4 launched. It natively came to PS4 the following year and is getting a PS5 port this year, and both will continue to be supported. Quirky detective game L.A. Noir came to PS3 back in 2011 via now-defunct Team Bondi, while Max Payne 3 came to PS3 in 2012. That was internally developed there. Nothing really to say here, Dustin, except for uh, I'm curious how many people are still playing there. Yeah, it must be enough yeah. that they warned them, which is good and very, let's say, on EA, like when they just took the need for speed games down. I'm curious how many people you think play on this guy. I mean, just throw a number out there. How many people you think playing on PS3 right now? I would mm. say the number is in the tens of thousands, probably. Something yeah, like I would think so. I mean, you have really people that have hand me down hardware. Uh, or at low income, whatever they don't, but they have. And in, in, in emerging markets too, where, you know, it's just too expensive sure. to get a new console. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, you know, this is this is maybe what their grandma got them or whatever, and this is what they have. So, yeah, a lot of times it's, it's amazing just because I kind of wish I was in, not like in this, like, oh, I have a PS3, but some people also just don't 
care. They're like, I have a PS3. It plays the game. I like the way it plays. It's what I and that's that's what they're looking for out of video games and more power to them. But yeah, I'm guessing there's quite a few. So it's they're going to be hopefully hopefully they can find a, a cheap PS4 or Xbox one and upgrade. Can you imagine just the sheer mind boggling bewilderment that a person who was on PS3 and there's just like, ah, oh, man, I guess I got to upgrade and they go straight from there to PS5. That must be like <laughs> astounding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because PS3 doesn't even function. I mean, if you uh, we've said this many times on the show, I plug my PS3 to play something every once in a while and it doesn't even work. It's horrible. But I can't believe we actually used it. <laughs> you, I, it's hard for me to believe that we actually use this thing. It's crazy. Uh, it's horrible. I love PlayStation 3, but when I went back and played like Mass Effect and Bioshock Infinite and all that in recent months on PS3, oh my God, man. Like you're sinking trophies. It takes minutes, minutes to sink your trophies. Minutes. Yeah, yeah. I remember that back it's in unbelievable. the day. Yeah, and now you just like the trophy thing pops up on PS5. You hit the button, it immediately sinks it, and you just hit circle and get out. It's awesome. So you're right. The quantum leap would be uh, something yeah. to behold for those folks. Crazy. All right, number five. If you're a fan of Fatal Frame, there's good news. The newest game in the series is coming to both PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, though it's technically a port of an older title. Interestingly, the game was first shown at Nintendo's E3 press conference and was naturally assumed to possibly be Switch exclusive, as was the original game though publisher Koei Tecmo later confirmed the PS4 and PS5 ports. The game is called Fatal Frame Maiden of Blackwater, a port of the 2014 Wii U game, and it's coming later this year. The Fatal Frame horror series goes all the way back to 2001, when the original came to PS2 in Japan, coming west the following year. A pair of sequels found their way to PS2 in 2003 and 2005. A Wii-exclusive iteration released only in Japan in 2008, followed by a 3DS spinoff in 2012. Fatal Frame is a horror series wherein players utilize a camera as their primary means of interfacing with the world. This will be the first Fatal Frame release since Blackwater came to Wii U in 2014. I thought this was interesting, Dustin, because I I don't really I I mean, I've I've messed around with Fatal Frame, but it's I do like a game, as I've said many times, that allows you to nonviolently interface with your environment. And that's why I really liked about out. uh, What was it? Outlast. Mm-hmm. When you played with the the camera, you use the light on the camera to see right. or whatever. It was so cool. And you're just running away. Yeah. Because it's too much. And I think that's really neat. So d- does this does that entice you at all? This game did entice me when I saw it in the Nintendo Direct because I don't know much about this franchise. And it just is like creepy Japanese horror. I did not realize, though, I'm looking at their Wikipedia right now. Uh, Metacritic score of 67. On Wii U. On Wii U. GameSpot. Yeah. 5 out of 10, IGN 7 out of 10. Even Famitsu gave it a 33 out of 40. So, And that's like horrible for Famitsu. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's I'm kind of like, why? Maybe, maybe I don't know what, what those criticisms are. I'm just, you know, looking at a surface level. Maybe there's major technical issues or something, but it just seems like, yeah, you kind of had a, a stinker and now you're re-releasing it again. So just seems like, why wouldn't yeah. you just make a new Fatal Frame? Or I, I don't know. Maybe there's demand for this. It just something about it seems that's that's odd to me that you would re-release a a game like that. Yeah, it's very like I like Fatal Frame a lot. Like I, I I haven't kept up with the series or anything, but like there was one Fatal Frame game that I wish I wish I knew what it was. It was like a I it was like a PS one a PS two classic I think or like when you could when you could play those on PS three. 
And I played that. And I, I don't remember if it was two or, or one or whatever, but like whatever that one was, was really good. It's a very particular kind of horror game, you know, like Fatal Frame is very weird. It's very it's very Japanese, uh, but not in like a not in a way that was enough to deter me. So it was just, I guess, the right amount of <laughs> Japanese. But it is curious that they chose this one, given that, you know, it's not the best, apparently. Very bizarre. Number six. Last week, we hypothesized that Psychonauts 2, shown prominently during Xbox's E3 press conference, would come to PlayStation 4. This week, we can confirm the news. Psychonauts 2 is due out on PlayStation 4 on August 25th, the same date it comes to Xbox platforms. It's worth noting, if you own both, that it'll be free on Game Pass, so you're probably going to want to play it there. Now, the reason this was called into question at all is because Microsoft owns Double Fine Studios, uh, or Double Fine Productions, the team making the game, and they have for the last two years. Psychonauts 2 production far predates the sale of the team to Microsoft, however. You'll recall that the game was crowdfunded way back in 2016. I actually think they used the um, that website Fig, remember, to do it? Yeah. Which gives you which gives you a little... That was, like, frankly, my idea a long time ago, which was, like, to let people donate and get um, equity in the game, which they did. As the name suggests, it's a sequel to the popular PlayStation 2 Majesco-published game Psychonauts, which launched in 2005. However, there will be no native next-gen version for the PlayStation. While it's coming to Xbox Series X and S, it isn't coming to PlayStation 5, though you can naturally... Play it via backwards compatibility. Chris, are you looking forward to it? Yeah, no, totally. I, I love Psychonauts. Uh, oh, I, I will say, like, I'm playing through the the older one now. I just started it, so like, I barely, I barely got into it. And it's like the world and like the characterization and just like the art of that game does so much of the heavy lifting. And with like modern hardware, I just assume that the combat's going to be like a lot better than it already was, and like the art is looking good. And like, I'm really excited for. Uh, whatever this turns out to be psychonauts is just cool and it's i i didn't think we would ever get a second one and the fact that it's imminent is really satisfying you know excellent very well said dustin are you gonna check it out probably not unless the like reviews are out of this world um just i don't i've never i haven't the played the the first one. Oh yeah i haven't played the first one and while i agree with chris this is a reoccurring theme that chris and i talk about art direction and art style I kind of find the art direction a little off-putting, though it is unique, and I'll give it that. Uh, that's just a personal <laughs> taste. I don't. Kind of reminds me of like some like Nickelodeon, like yeah, it's Aubrey very monsters or something. It's it's very mm. Invader Zim, and like yeah. uh, it's it's very much that style, which I I love that style. But yeah, it's it's right. definitely it's definitely not not off-putting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean. I have Game Pass. I have a Series X. So who knows? Maybe I'll be feeling saucy and I'll check it out. We'll see. Ooh. Yeah. Free on Game Pass. I mean, that's obviously going to be very appealing. Number seven, beleaguered developer Bioware has a new leader. Word comes by way of a post on the studio's official website, which announces that Gary McKay is officially taking over as the studio's general manager following a stint as the interim GM. McKay was originally with Electronic Arts in the late 90s through the early 2010s and has an operations background. Indeed, he was GM of a couple of other smaller studios after leaving EA and returned in an operations capacity in 2020. The reality is Bioware wants EA's crown jewel studio needs saving, and it seems McKay might understand that. He said in part, quote, we're laser focused on releasing the type of games Bioware has built a reputation on high quality console, PC and online RPG games with rich stories, unforgettable characters and vast worlds, end quote. He likewise confirms that the next entries in both the Mass Effect and Dragon Age franchises are still en route. And the small constellation of studios, of course, also launched Mass Effect Legendary Edition very recently. 
Founded in 1995, BioWare was purchased by Electronic Arts in 2007 at the tail end of the original Mass Effect's development cycle. Its most famous older games are undoubtedly 1998's Baldur's Gate, 2002's Neverwinter Nights, 2003's KOTOR, and 2005's Jade Empire, though it was 2007's Mass Effect that launched the franchise, or launched the studio, rather, into true stardom. Mass Effect followed in 2010, uh, um, and I'm sorry, that's two and three in 2012, while Dragon Age began in 2009 and continued in 2011 and 2014. BioWare's two latest games, 2017's Mass Effect Andromeda and 2019's Anthem, were both considered critical and commercial failures, particularly the online shooter Anthem. Chris, I thought that uh, this I was looking up this guy Mm -hmm. and it's hard to find very much about him. He has just a bunch of bunch of like executive credits on Disney games and old games and stuff. So but he's an operations guy, so he's not a creative guy. That's why I noted it. He has no creative background at all, but it seems like he has a lot of success here. And it seems like maybe what Matt, what they need is an operations person that can help produce their games and get out of their way and then and kind of tailor them. Well, not Taylor, but heard them in the direction. What she says, we want to make the games we're known for. And I think that's a great sign. So what do you think about this acquisition? Yeah, I mean, it, it's like like you said, it's hard to get excited about like somebody who's not, you know, it's 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 not anybody in a creative capacity. You don't really know what this will really amount to in the long run. Uh, but it does seem like Bioware could could benefit greatly from just having like uh, better management uh, and just a, a better a better way to operate than they than they clearly have. Like even just deciding to do this Anthem next thing was just so obviously dumb, like immediately. Like I, I, I mean, I was saying that I was sounding the bell off for that for like the, the entire time. So to have somebody there who might already know that before they sink a bunch of money and time into mm. something like that might be a good thing. It's just kind of hard to get excited about some, some guy who like worked at Disney and is just an operations guy, but this is probably a good thing. I, I wonder, I was thinking about, because you wrote here that like, you know, Bioware was uh, EA's crown jewel. What is EA's crown jewel now? Do you think is, I, I would guess dice? like Respawn, right? Oh, yeah. Re- no, Respawn. That's definitely the right answer. I, would, I was going to say Dice, but yeah, Respawn. Definitely. Yeah. yeah I, good, well, I, I would have said I would have said Dice if not for Battlefield five. Mm. <laughs> uh, and, and it could be could be again with 2042. We don't know. Although, like, you know, the lack of campaign is like a pretty big deal. But I mean, here's what you here are your options. You have the various Bioware offices, you have Codemasters, which is pretty big. Yeah. You have Crite. I forgot they own them now. You have Criterion. You have all the dice ones, and then you have like Maxis still exists. Motive exists. Popcap. It must Respawn. be. It must. It's got to be. It's got to be. Respawn. Especially Popcap with was awesome too, especially but. with Apex, you know, and uh, Fallen Order, and like Titanfall Two being like a beloved fucking game, even if it didn't sell well. It's got like that's their crown jewel now. If they can get Bioware to the to the point where they're like the crown jewel again, that's super impressive. And I'll give this guy all the credit in the world. But as of right now, it's too early to tell what this is going to mean if, if it'll make that much of a difference. We know a lot of the key Bioware staff is kind of gone at this point. So even if even if uh, they did manage to get things back yeah. back into a, a great state, it would still be a very different Bioware in the same way that current Bungie is, is great, but it's, it's definitely not, you know, 2007, you know, bullet in Microsoft's hand cannon Bungie. You know, it's a very different studio that you're dealing right. with. So that, maybe they can. That's what I was going to say, Chris, is that and this happens with a lot of studios and beyond game development, like a, a band or whatever, yeah. like there's a ship of Theseus situation where it's like if you interchange all the parts of something is it really the same thing anymore so it's like i don't know that it's it's especially difficult for bioware it's like your your main team your 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 main 
head heads are gone and there's new people so it's like they want to revert back to who they were but those people aren't there anymore so it's it's uh it's complicated yeah it's it, it's this way with anything it's like even just when even if you can get like some people back you know it's never going to be the same thing right. it's it's like these people trying to like hey g4's back and it's like is it yeah uh, I mean, who care you know, it's like yeah, it, no. that's the you got to move on and also recall that people like casey hudson left came back and left you know so it's, yeah, it's not yeah. like it's not like they have a lot of stability. Obviously, Drew Carpishan is long gone. He went to, I think, work with Wizards of the Coast now. I mean, he was their writer. So it's in some way, I don't even understand what Bioware is anymore. But I think EA knows that they cannot shut down another team and they and they can't shut down Bioware because I was looking at their their defunct studios. It's like, man, it's crazy. There are a lot of teams on here from Pandemic and Origin Systems to Visceral and Westwood <laughs> and Danger Close and Bullfrog. I mean, it, so I think that they can't no. they know that they can't and they have to say Bioware. But I would have been much more interested for them to just kind of reform some studios. Keep your space in Edmonton, keep your space in Austin, but like untether these guys from Bioware. That's it's not the same. And actually, you know what it reminds me a lot of? It reminds me of Rare under Microsoft. Like it took them a long time to figure out what they were. They're not Nintendo Rare anymore. And mm. it took them time to figure that out. So it just reminds you a little bit of that, and, and we'll see how this all goes. Maybe the hope is, though, that they will figure it out like Rare yeah. did. Like, Rare, like that's actually a huge... It's actually astounding that Rare managed to make something, ama- like, really awesome. Like, given, you know, exactly what you're talking about. Just, like, the, the identity crisis and just, like, the fact that it's like, oh, it's not Nintendo's Rare anymore. It's like, maybe they're, maybe they're hoping that, like, oh, maybe this new Bioware can find out what this Bioware is. But they clearly haven't yet. And, uh... Whatever this Bioware is that put out Anthem almost twice. I can't yeah, believe that's true. I still uh, can't Anthem believe was it. gonna get a was gonna get a no man's sky thing and they I think they wisely walked away from that. Do you remember, Dustin, when they had that uh that that update and they were like, This is what the character customization screen looks like and it, and it was like yeah. just a des- it's just destiny. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, yeah. dude. We'll <sighs> see uh we'll see what what happens here i'm i like an operations guy being at the head of a studio that has many branches yeah and if you're going to tie them to mass effect and dragon age and just let them make those games and god almighty just keep it all in order they have that i want bioware to revive itself but i just don't know if expectations are too high i don't even know what the next mass effect could possibly be that could they this is the thing is that they andromeda was supposed to be the next thing they almost have to go back and retcon Andromeda yeah. out. I almost. I mean, that's the whole problem. I know? almost. I almost feel like I, I know you have a problem with this. Typically, Colin, where like you have like a studio yeah. meant to make uh, a specific game, like three four three with Halo and the Coalition with Gears. Right. But like, part of me wonders is like, dude, it, 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 there's a lot of turnover from studios whenever they ch- switch to a new project because the studio doesn't. Sure. People don't want to make that. Like, it, oh, I joined Bungie to make Halo, and what are we doing? We're making an MMO. What the fuck is this? I'm gonna go to, you know. Infinity Ward or whatever the hell, or, yeah. or I'm going to go to id. So like part of me wonders is like, dude, if they're going to make another Mass Effect, maybe just get make a team for Mass Effect and have people who want to work on Mass Effect, who are excited to do it instead of people who feel like they have to do it because they're Bioware, you know, like that to me has always been like a, an interesting kind of like thing about that, that style of studio where it's like, dude, what is the next Mass Effect even going to be with this new Bioware team that is clearly just doing it because... They feel like they need to, especially now after Anthem and, and, you know, Andromeda just did so poorly. I don't know. 
this is just weird. I, I think you're right, though. Like this, this having an operations guy at the helm is probably like the best thing for them. It's just going to be a number of years before we even see the effects of this. So I agree. They got to be patient. And Dustin, what do you think they're going to do about Mass Effect? I don't know if can I spoil Mass Effect 3? I guess I shouldn't. No, you probably um, should. There's too many people playing it right now. Yeah, that's true. I yeah. shouldn't. I shouldn't. But they got to do something. I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. Because Andromeda was the, literally the only way it could even conceivably continue. That, that's the whole thing. Like, so I don't know what they're going to do. Well, yeah. here's what we can. I think the, the best way to, to put it is that there's multiple endings for Mass Effect 3. And so what they're going to have to do is go and choose one and then continue <laughs> it from there, which people fucking hate it when, when companies do that. So messy. Is that they'll, they'll make a multi-tiered ending and then say it's over. And then when they want to make a sequel, they have to pick one that's canon just and then, yeah, inf- infamous had to do that dude, yeah, yeah and then it completely invalidates anyone who went with the other ending because then it just feels like fan fiction so that's probably what they'll do it's yeah i think i think infamous's good ending was the canon ending so yeah it is it is weird when when that happens you're right well we'll see keep an eye on that a couple more quick ones here number eight river city girls the amazing 2019 brawler that i loved one of my favorite games that year is getting a sequel Word comes by way of website VentureBeat, which reveals that developer slash publisher WayForward is working on River City Girls 2, which will be coming to both PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 at an undetermined point in the future. WayForward will be acting as developer, while Japanese publisher slash developer Arc System Works, best known for its fighting games Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear, will again be acting as publisher. Arc System Works, of course, owns the storied Kunio Kun IP from which River City Girls spawned. The series goes back to 1986 in Japan. The first game to come to the West from the franchise was River City Ransom in 1990. Founded in the early 90s and responsible for largely licensed fare, WayForward has nonetheless taken stabs at entries in Konami's Contra franchise, David Crane's Boy and His Blob, Blood Rain, Double Dragon, Drawn to Death, Transformers, Adventure Time, TMNT, DuckTales, and more. Kunio Kun is simply its next stab at a great old school game. River City Girls is awesome. And I must say that I'm ignorant because Kunio Kun, we've not played, most of those games have not even been released here. They just released a bunch of them, actually, you might recall, on PS4. But the female protagonists in river city girls were actually introduced in a game in the 90s and i didn't know that i loved that they were like i don't know if you guys did you guys play river city girls at all did did you dustin i played a tiny bit it was one of those ones i checked out on game pass briefly nice uh since chris did you play uh no i i haven't touched a single river river city game i've seen them and they look cool i just never like i I never got around to playing them it's a it's a brawler. It's yeah. very pretty. It, it's just this is a funny game because the girls are going after their boyfriends who are like too effeminate and weak to like fight for themselves. And so like they're the <laughs> ones beating the shit out of everyone so that they can go like rescue them. Yeah, and it's super funny and it's super cute and highly, highly recommend it. That game. They're also making a Kunio Kun game that's apparently exclusive to switch as well. So that's not Ooh. in here. But nonetheless, uh, number nine. This is interesting. Two way forward pieces. Speaking of way forward, it's I love way forward. All five gorgeous entries in its Shantae action platformer series are coming to PlayStation 5. Word comes by way of website Push Square. While undated, here's what we know. All five games are getting native ports going all the way back to the 2002 original, which you may remember was a Game Boy Color title. It was ported to Switch earlier this year and is en route to PS5. So, too, are its four well-regarded sequels. 2010's Risky's Revenge, 2014's Pirate's Curse, 2016's Half-Genie Hero, and 2019's Seven Sirens. Risky's Revenge was a DSi exclusive. Remember DSi? I bought that the day it came out. 
Though ported to PS4 in 2015, Pirate's Curse was first on 3DS and later brought to PS4 in 2016. Half Genie Hero was bought to both PS4 and Vita at launch, while Seven Sirens came to PS4. Shantae has long been WayForward's most important franchise, as it typically did and still does contract work for others. I really like Shantae as well. I love that they revived this character and made her into something years after they released this random ass game for like Majesco. Yeah. And um, I, I my one thing about Shantae is that the animation is beautiful. If you see like how she like shakes her hips and stuff like that, like she's just so cute and looking forward to that. So I it's wanted to it, give them a shot. It's, it's a really well animated game from what I've seen. Definitely. Like uh, it reminds me a lot of. um. Well, it almost sounds derogatory to say that it reminds me of like Flash, but like like in a in a in a positive way, like uh, it's like weirdly nostalgic. Yeah. Uh, it, so way forward. Uh, people might not know this. And probably don't. Way forward was founded by a guy named Mark Boson. I'm sorry, Matt Boson, rather. And I worked with Mark Boson, who was Nintendo GameCube's editor, if you guys remember, and Nintendo Wii's or I'm, I'm sorry, IGN GameCube and IGN Wii's editor when I was at IGN. So there's a, an interesting connection there. And um yeah, wishing them the best on that. And of course, our beloved Yacht Club Games is a spawn from way forward. So, right. yeah. Number 10, rumors of a new Monkey Ball game have been percolating for weeks following some global games rating leaks. Now we can confirm that the game is real, though it's not really a game at all, but rather a compilation. It is indeed called Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania. And as revealed on the official PlayStation blog, it's a collection of the first three Super Monkey Ball games. This is especially cool since the first two games from 2001 and 2003 were GameCube exclusives and have never been on PlayStation before. Published by Sega and developed by Sega-owned team Amusement Vision, the studio is actually best known for the GameCube exclusive Nintendo-published game F-Zero GX, which came out in 2003. Interestingly, Super Monkey Ball Deluxe was a PlayStation 2 game and was a combination of the first two titles, so it's unclear what's going on with the collection. Nonetheless, all three games will be available as a package on October 5th. I'm a little confused by this because... I had Super Monkey Ball on GameCube, but I was under the notion that Super Monkey Ball Deluxe was just Super Monkey Ball 1 and 2. So that's also in the package in addition to the original GameCube games. I don't really understand it, but hmm. uh, are you guys Monkey Ball fans? They, those games stress me the fuck out personally, but they, they are fun to play. When I've played them, I have thought they were sweet, but I never had a GameCube growing up. But I did love there was a marble game on Marble Blast Pre- Ultra. Yes. And that game it's fucking awesome. So that, I am very is, interested in Monkey Ball. That is a great. I want that. I, I never I never played Monkey Ball, but like I played a, a stupid, stupid amount of Marble Blast Ultra. That, uh, that I, team released a new game called Marble It Up that was pretty <laughs> good. Really? I think Marble it's on PS4. It I might check it out. Marble Blast is great. Yeah. Number 11, the American-based MPD Group has released its monthly sales data for the United States, the world's biggest gaming market for the month of May 2021. As usual, this data counts all physical and digital sales unless otherwise noted, and we will otherwise note. Resident Evil Village was the best-selling game across all platforms for the month, with Sony-made baseball game MLB The Show 21 coming in second. Interestingly, the data doesn't account for any Xbox digital sales, thus rendering the number incomplete. Other notable games include Returnal at 7, Miles Morales at 11, Biomutant at 15, and Days Gone at 20, which snuck back into the list due to its PC release. When accounting only for PlayStation platforms, these were the best-selling 10 games of the month in order. Resident Evil Village, MLB The Show 21, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, Returnal, Miles Morales, Mortal Kombat 11, Biomutant, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, It Takes Two, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. This year's best-selling games so far are Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, Resident Evil Village, and MLB The Show 21. Miles Morales is at 5, and Outriders is at 6. 
Spanning over the last 12 months into mid last year, The Last of Us Part Two is the fourth best-selling game, Miles Morales is fifth, and Ghost of Tsushima is sixth. So a lot of good PlayStation games there. By the way, I love that they've insisted on removing all digital sales from Xboxes, from MLB The Show, from Xbox, therefore eliminating the argument, does it count Game Pass? Uh, which I thought was pretty clever. So they, we, we know for sure that it doesn't. And finally, number 12 is the wrap-up, much shorter than last week's. The official PlayStation blog reports that Tetris Effect's connected co-op and multiplayer DLC is finally coming to both PS4 and PSVR in July. Website Push Square reports survival RPG Chernobylite comes to PS4 on July 28th. JRPG Astria Ascending comes to PS4 and PS5 on September 30th. Puzzle Platformer A Tale of Paper, which came to PS4 in 2020, will be coming to PS5 sometime by the end of this year. So-called Dodgeball RPG Dodgeball Academia comes to PS4 by the end of the year. And Action RPG Solstice comes to PS4 and PS5 sometime in 2022. The website also reports that old 3DO FMV plumbers don't wear ties and 2011 PSN side scroller Blood Rain Betrayal, which I reviewed at IGN, are getting re-releases on PS4 and PS5 at unknown times. 2016 PS4 game Republic is getting an anniversary edition on both PS4 and PSVR at an unknown time. Same studio made Iron Man VR, in case you're curious. While 2017 THQ published PS4 RPG Elix is getting a sequel in the form of Elix 2, also at an unknown time. Push Square also reports that Sega's Yakuza RPG Judgment has surpassed 1 million units sold, while Arc System Works' new fighting game Guilty Gear Strive has surpassed 300,000 copies sold, and EA-published co-op game It Takes Two surpassed 2 million sold. Website Komatsu reports that action-filled Orcs Must Die 3 comes to PS4 on July 23rd, with a native PS5 launch by the end of the year. RPG Fuga Melodies of Steel and Eldest... I'm sorry, RPGs Fuga Melodies of Steel and Eldest Souls both come to PS4 and PS5 on July 29th. Strategy FPS Lemons Gate comes to PS4 and PS5 on August 3rd. Visual novel Heart of the Woods comes to PS4 and PS5 sometime this August. Story game Conway Disappearance at Dolly of You comes to PS4 and PS5 this fall. A remaster of the 2012 3DS game Rune Factory 4 called Rune Factory 4 Special. And fellow farming sim Story of Seasons Friends of Mineral Town launched on Switch in 2019 are both coming to PS4 sometime this fall. Multiplayer game Raw Men comes to both PS4 and PS5 by the end of the year. And old-school-like RPG Sacrifier comes to both PS4 and PS5 in 2022. Publisher Capcom revealed that its multiplayer game Reverse, Resident Evil, comes to PS4 and PS5 in July, though we still don't have a firm date. And finally, the rumors and leaks were true. Prior Xbox X uh, Series X and S console exclusive The Medium is indeed coming to PlayStation 5 on September 3rd. A couple more things. A Plague Tale that have spawned since we even started recording. A Plague Tale Innocence is getting a PS5 version on July 6th, and there's rumors that it's going to be a PS Plus game that month. And... Uh, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are the cover athletes of Madden NFL 22, which will come to both PS4 and PS5 on August 20th. So that's all the news. All right, boys, as we always do, let's end this episode with six questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas from our audience over on Patreon at patreon.com slash last media. We simply could not do this without you. And we thank you so much for your support there. Let's start with Greg Rygar, who, of course, was named after the classic NES game Rygar. Hey, fellas, now that the E3 dust has settled. Did PlayStation make the right decision by not attending? Feels like they could have delayed the Horizon gameplay to this event and had a larger presence in the conversation. However, they ran the risk of being overshadowed by strong showings from Microsoft and Nintendo. What are your thoughts? My personal take on this, uh, Chris, is that I think Sony was right not to show up. I don't think that this E3 was so strong at all that they were overshadowed. In fact, I think it was so weak that a lot of people were wondering where they were in the first place. So and, and kind of wishing that they were there. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Do you think Sony should have showed up? Uh, no. Uh, 
I don't think they really needed to, especially because, like, I feel like, look, if they had something to show that was of consequence, they probably would have shown it. I, I think, um, you know, I think that Horizon gameplay was really the most, the, the biggest splash that they could have hoped to have at E3, and, and, you know, they already did that, so, like, what's what's the relevance as to whether or not it happens then or, like, a month earlier? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter all that much. Um, and this E3 ultimately was, like, pretty weak. I, th- I thought Xbox did really well, and I thought Nintendo did really pretty well, too. But everybody else dropped the ball in a way that I could have never even imagined in years. Like, it, it's... I still am reeling from the fact that Take-Two just aired a fucking Zoom call. Like, I... That's real. Like, that really... Ha- and then, like, you know... What was, um... You know, uh... Oh my God, Randy Pitchford like harassing Kevin Hart and what? What even is that? Like so much of it was terrible. Even if like there was there were some bright spots, some bright, really bright spots for me. But ultimately, I don't think it was necessary that they showed up. And I think honestly, if they did show up, it would have just been the Horizon gameplay that we saw and the Death Stranding thing and. Probably nothing else of consequence. It probably would have been a weak showing for them as well. Like, I, I don't see what we would have gained by their presence, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, I, Dustin, I wonder what you think of this, because as I said earlier, I think kind of a little bit of Death Stranding, just kind of teasing something at Jeff Keeley's thing. And then we have this blue box kind of situation. We also saw Horizon a couple weeks ago. I feel like I feel like we missed them only because there was a vacuum for something interesting. I'm not saying that others mm-hmm. didn't do well. I think Microsoft did extremely well, and I think Nintendo did pretty well, too. But it just it did feel a little vacant. And yet I don't blame them for not showing up. Yeah, I I hope that Sean. I don't know if Sean Layden designed the last uh, PlayStation E3 conference, but I'm sure he had a big part of it. I hope that he's sitting back in a lazy boy smoking a J reading mm. the the comments about E3 remembering how everyone shit on Sony for doing a deep dive into a few games with a few announcements. And it's like, now, now look at the state of things, how, what some of these conferences has, have turned into where there's nothing, not, not completely, but some of them literally were nothing like, so yeah, I don't think they needed to be there. I think that they, again, they have so much cachet right now. All they got to do is put out a tweet and say, Thursday, show up, state of play, and they will have millions of eyes on them. Why yeah. do that at a time when attentions are divided? Keep it separate and keep your cachet. Fair enough. Brock Smith wrote in and said, hola, gents. This question is geared for column mostly, but would love to hear all of you give your own takes on the matter. I wanted to explore a more thorough analysis on how you'd reconcile your opinion during last week's episode about Resident Evil's cast not racially aligning with the traditional war with one uh, with with one on 007. Oh, I'm sorry, with the conversation we had on 007 a few months back in the instance of Wesker, you said you understood both arguments. But at the end of the day, it's an imaginary character and you felt it was cool that they were changing things up. This is diametrically opposed to your opinion from a few months ago when discussing James Bond becoming a woman. During the discussion, you argue that if creators want to alter racial, ethnic, or gender identities that badly, you would rather see them just establish a brand new, awesome hero with their own storyline than messing with beloved pop culture heroes with long-established heritages. The only way I was able to reconcile this opposing view is that Bond is a slick playboy, a womanizer of sorts, and and if he is now a she, it would suffice to reason core character traits would be reworked, making it the same hero in name only. To be fair, Brock, I think you're actually even giving it more thought than I did, uh, because that is a good answer, and I'm going to steal it. But I feel like there is a hypocrisy here in some way 
no doubt. But I think again, it's a gr- it's based on a on a scale. James Bond is one of the most iconic characters in the history of fiction. I mean, no yeah. one knows who Wesker is. No one. Yeah. Uh, outside of Resident Evil, you could say 007. Every like you know what the Q score is. I think they still do that, where it's basically just what like how popular, or how well known something is, and it's like a a series of surveys they do every year, and and things get Q scores. 007's Q score is probably like a hundred. There's no one in the world that doesn't know who James Bond is. So I think that would be my bigger argument as opposed to Wesker. You can play around, but I'm generally of the mind. I mean, I have to be honest. I'm generally of the mind that if a character is a character, then you might want to just keep it as that as that character. But you're right. There is a little bit of a hypocrisy there. Dustin, do you feel like there's any any difference between these two characters or is it because I feel like I feel like maybe we're getting a little too absolutist in the way we examine things while saying like changing some characters is good and some characters isn't. And maybe that's just the answer. Yeah, which I think that we kind of came to a different conclusion on the Bond thing where I was kind of like, if they want to make a a game version of James Bond that James Bond is, you know, uh, a a female or whatever, I'm I'm fine with that because it's a separate thing to me. Like it's a it's their take. Same with Resident Evil. Now. I'm a little bit of a different opinion with the films where it's like, if you then change, like if they were like Wesker in the Resident Evil games, the main timeline is now black. They just changed him. That would be weird to me like that. Unless yeah. it's a reboot of the series, like changing an already established character from its that would source. Be, that would be jarring. Right. That would be different. But I, Colin, I think that you made a very good point about uh, the scale of Wesker. You know what I mean? Like, my my grandpa doesn't know who Wesker is, but he definitely. Yeah. But my entire everyone in my family knows who James Bond is. So there's that gives them more freedom. I agree, yeah. I, I, Chris. What do you think? Because I'm, I'm generally of the mind, just maybe leave things alone and make new ideas, because then you just avoid the whole like is Captain America black or so it's like, I don't know, man, yeah, can't you just make yeah. another superhero <laughs> and yeah. make him black? Yeah, that was in, in superheroes. It's very specifically that too, because there's always like some variation of it. I think, I think the way they handled Spider-Man was great. Like, uh, because you know, here's Miles Morales who is, you know, a, a black Puerto Rican Spider-Man, but he's also not just, he's not just peter but hispanic you know mm. it's it's his own character and like you know he's got the spider powers and a little bit differently too like they they managed to differentiate it enough that it feels like actually pretty 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 great to have this character as an addition to this universe and i think um a lot of other properties don't really have an opportunity to do that. You can't really have two Weskers like kind of side by side. <laughs> it wouldn't make sense in that in that world. So, I don't know. In I understand the point people are making because actually when they released the cast for the Halo TV show that apparently Showtime or whatever the hell is doing. Like I I haven't been paying attention to it for a while, but they showed some of the cast and there was like a a, a white commanding officer captain keys who is played by a black guy in the show and i remember seeing that i was thinking like that's a little weird that might be a little confusing if you're Mm -hmm. like go if you're going into the show or you have any familiarity with the game and you're like wait oh is that that's that okay wait okay that's a little confusing but aside from that i'm usually of the mind that if an actor can do something well just let the actor do it especially when it comes to live action adaptations of things because you're not going to get somebody who looks exactly like Wesker 
from the game or, or like even Lara Croft. You're not going to get somebody who looks exactly like Lara Croft, who's also a great actor. You know, sometimes you have to just compromise like, all right, is this person going to play the character? Well, they might not look the part, but maybe they can pull it off somehow. And, you know, we'll see how that goes with Tom Holland. <laughs> I think Tom Holland does not fit Nathan Drake at all. But hey, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. go in and I'll have my arms crossed and be ready to be disappointed. And then we'll see what happens. But I yeah, uh, I yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Chris. As long as we don't find out Wesker's as long as Wesker doesn't walk in and say my preferred pronouns are he and and him. Yeah, like in the like middle of, in re- the middle of like a fight. I, yeah. Look, here's also, like, how could how could he do that? And then there's like a big like, you know, five minute interstitial about how he you're assuming. Yeah, I I, man. I would say just there's a level of barrier. There's a barrier to live action casting that just needs to yeah. be understood where it's like, look, you're not going to get a one to one fucking perfect look and sound to a character. So you might as well just get somebody who's really good at acting. And I think. I'm a little biased, maybe, because I love Lance Reddick. I think he's hilarious, and I think he's awesome. I think he's just a really good actor. He's awesome in that, that even just the small roles that he does in, like, John Wick, and and I don't know if you got around to seeing those Funny or Die videos, but my God. And he's great in uh, Destiny as well, so, like, I don't know. I just like him, and I, I would love to see him as as Wesker in, in that. Although, I doubt that's going to be good also. Like, let's be real. Like, my faith in that is very low. Sure, as it should be. Then keep your expectations low. Generally, that's what I do in life. Yeah. I'm not even trying to be facetious here. Keep your expectations in check. Then surprises are good and they make you feel nice. Exactly. As opposed to just being disappointed over and over again. That's what I was trying to tell everyone with Bethesda earlier, right? Like, guys, like enough already. It's it's over. Curse these metal ha- uh, curse these metal heads wrote in. Says, hey, CCD, Colin, you said last week in a tweet that Xbox was taking up the mantle of next gen only titles. But are they really when these games are coming to the Series S? I know the S is technically a next-gen console, but it's basically on par with the One X. So why is this different to Sony releasing games on PS4? Sorry if you already addressed this. I haven't had a chance to catch up on the last couple of pods. Love you all, and thank you for your work. Thank you for writing in. Uh, Chris, I'm a little perplexed by the S. I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, I don't even know how well it's... I'm curious what the breakout is, who's buying it, and how it's being handled. Yeah, I, I will say that like I have I have family with a lot of um, like young kids and they have they have the S like uh, like everywhere that I've gone. It seems the S seems to be because it, I mean, it makes sense. It's like the most affordable way to play next gen titles at a resolution that is still high enough to be good looking, but also, you know, not in keeping with a lot of like high end TVs, which most people don't even really have anyway. Um, so like I think it's it, it's it's it has its place. I, I would. I take issue with the idea that it's like it's on par with the One X. It's it, the the Series S is I'm fairly certain, unless I'm a complete idiot, I'm fairly certain the Series S has runs with SSD, it right? Does. Yeah. So yeah. like that alone would indicate that it is not simply on par with the one the One X. Uh, you know. That is the main differentiator between these generations is load times and and the way that it streams data off of the SSD resolution. Yeah, I get it. That's a that's a big deal as well. But what is next gen really is next gen resolution or or is next next gen loading times like is is what is more next gen about Ratchet and Clank? The fact that it looks beautiful or the fact that it loads areas instantaneously or that you can dimension hop at will or like in the controller. And the controller, like these things that have nothing to do with resolution, like 
you could play something that is conceivably only possible on next-gen hardware at like 720p and it would still be a next-gen title it's just running at a lower resolution so yeah i would i would say that yeah maybe the the 1440p you know hard cap on this series s does limit it in some capacity i i would i wouldn't put it on par with the one x for obvious internal reasons dustin what do you make of this i mean i guess he's right in the sense that i don't really know what to make of the s it's it it might be a problem for microsoft in the future maybe maybe a potential problem a pain point because they do have to aim towards this console mm. and right. that might be a problem for them what, what do you think about uh, curse these metalheads thoughts here well What's the difference one of the key things is that the the series s only has a slightly slower cpu which one of the biggest differences in this con between last gen and this gen is that the cpu is way way better that's why there's so many 30 fps games like they just the CPU on last gen sucked. So you're able to get more like the the GPU is the big differentiating factor between the Series S and the the Series X. So and then that's really where a lot of the scalability can come in. So I'm trying to think what's his his original question here is why is it different what? to Sony releasing games on PS4? I mean, we're I'm busting oh, it, balls about it, one and for the C it, to me it comes down to the CPU like totally like I'm curious on how much uh the GPU will will hold them back but again I think that a lot of it comes in also with like Xbox's SDK is much more designed they make it super easy in their developer tools for you to design a game for Series X and then it can do a lot of the legwork to downscale it for series s mm. in particular mm -hmm. so well said yeah dan excel wrote in and said hello cdc i was wondering if any of you have ever cried while playing a video game i consider myself a hardcore gamer having played hundreds of games in my life but i just can't remember ever crying because of a game's story i've certainly engaged with stories and i felt attached to characters before but never enough to cry i guess what's funny is that i consider myself a crier when it comes to movies and shows i think the problem for me is facial animations aren't quite there yet for me and technical marvels like the last of us 2 and even the voice, the voice acting can be great. Maybe I'm just not 100% sold on the performances in these games and characters. And my brain has a hard time connecting on a deep level, whereas my brain can connect easily with real people. Is there something wrong with me? Can you all relate to what I'm saying? Games have made me cry a couple times, a few times. I feel the last of us part two is actually a really good example of a game that evoked such emotion to me at the end that I couldn't even believe it. But of course, the example I always use is Journey. That's the game that that actually did make me cry. I don't even really understand why. Yeah. Dustin, do you uh do you shed a tear or two when you play a game? Uh not I'm not much of a crier when it comes to movies or TVs or whatever. And it, it's not that like I'm like, oh crying for pussies. Not like that. No. It's not like I don't care. No. I don't I'm, there's no shame in it. I kind of wish that I could more, but the only two times I can think of is the end of Tetris Effect. I don't know what it is. <laughs> that final song after like it's just like this like total sensory overload. And then it's I don't I don't know what it is. I wasn't like crying, but I could feel like this welling. Yeah, in my yeah, eyes. like a, yeah, welling. <laughs> guys, I'm willing to take the L on this. You can direct your tweets at me. When I booted up Kingdom Hearts three, it was a little emotional. It's a little emotional. Not a not a big cry, but you got to remember. I remember getting Kingdom Hearts two in second grade, 
and it was with my grandma and she helped pay for part of it. Yeah. Uh, and it was so I I know everything that you guys say is wrong. You're right about it's it. Look, You're it's 100 percent right. It's fine. Like that. That hurt my heart a little bit to hear you say that. But it's fine. Right. Like, I, I forgive you. But, uh, you know, and Keen March 3 was kind of it wasn't like a massive disappointment. It wasn't quite what we wanted it to be. But it was a important moment for me as a, you know, in, in gaming. It was like I, you know, so much had changed. I was I was married and living in my own house and I was working in the games industry when I got to play Kingdom Hearts 3. And then I remember being in second grade and picking up at the mall. So maybe it was a kind of more of a personal thing yeah. for me. Than yeah, even I the game itself. It. Sure. Chris, where are you at on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that I... Like, I've welled up at certain games, definitely. Uh, I don't know if crying... Like, I, I've never wept at a game. Like, you know what I mean? But I there's a handful... I'm sure some that I can't specifically remember, but the ones the ones that I, the ones that I do remember was in Bioshock Infinite. There's this, and I think I've talked about this before, but there's this one sequence that is totally missable. I think in Vox Populi operated Columbia, where you can go to the cellar of this bar and there's a guitar there, and you can pick it up, and you know Booker starts playing it, and then um, Elizabeth starts singing, and and there's this kid who's like starving and he's like hiding in the cellar he's like trying to steal some fruit before you came inside and then she gives it to him and she scampers off and it's just like a really nice moment and i welled up at that moment and i remember thinking like i don't know why that's even i don't know why this is so potent to me but for some reason is well there it is i mean that's that's ken levine man dude man Mm -hmm. i've god i love those games but it's that one and a more direct one more obvious one as many problems as i have with the fourth halo game uh, when spoiler alert, when Cortana dies at the end, I welled up. I could I couldn't help it. That's like a a character that I've known for like ten years just dying. That's pretty sad. And mm. uh, I did I did well up. Even I would dare say a few tears. Uh, you know, started strolling down, but it was pretty quick. And then I started killing my friends, and it was fine. I was I totally <laughs> forgot about it. Right. But yeah, it's it's a hand. I'm sure there's like a handful of other times where I've welled up at things that I can't really remember off the top of my head. But I wouldn't say that I I'm all that. I would say I'm in agreement where it's like I'm more susceptible to this stuff in like film and like television for whatever reason, especially if it's like the end of like the last season of a show you've been watching for a long time is always like for whatever reason, really, really sad and really emotional. And like there's some movies like, you know, uh, I for some reason welled up during Jojo Rabbit. I can't even explain to you why, but it happens. I mean, it's I love I'm an emotional person and I, I love that kind of stuff getting hit and barraged with um you know i always say about how i love comedies that get really serious because i think those are the ones that really actually get the most emotion for me by the left turns i think the wonder years the old sitcom from the late 80s and early 90s is a great example of something that's just like really serious and then gets really funny and so it, it keeps you on your toes yeah thanks for writing in appreciate you mighty max wrote in and said what's up gentlemen after following e3 closely and watching as many trailers as i could i find myself a bit disappointed where are the good jrpgs other than Tales of Arise, which is my most anticipated game of 2021, I find myself wondering if we'll ever see solid games of this beloved genre in the new generation of consoles. Breath of Fire and Wild Arms and Chrono Trigger, I want new games that give me experiences like those classics used to. I know that Sabotage Studio is working on Sea of Stars. It is. That's the guys. Those are the guys that did The Messenger, which is one of the best-looking JRPGs I've seen in many years and my most anticipated game of 2022 so far, but I wish for more than what we have available now. 
My question to you boys is, do some of you also feel the JRPG void? Do you wish we had more coming out on the new gen consoles? And which old franchise would you like to see come back? So, Dustin, I'll go to you for this one, obviously. What do you make of this? My take is that less is more. And we have to remember that when Japanese role-playing games and JRPGs and Japanese games technically in, were at their lowest point in the industry is when we got the most of them. So I think getting away from the hyper-dimension Neptunia whatever kind of B-tier role-playing game and funneling more towards AAA experiences is is the ideal. Right. I feel like they're... I mean, if we're loose with the term JRPG and we include action RPG, which is what Tales is, like... We already, I mean, we got near Replicant, which was awesome. We have the new Final Fantasy DLC that just came out. Uh, Monster Hunter Stories 2, while it's a Switch game, that's an RPG. The new uh, Neo, The World Ends With You is coming. And Scarlet Nexus is a role-playing, a Japanese role-playing game as well. Scarlet that's, ne- that's imminent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and then, of course, Shimagami Tensei Five, which is a Switch exclusive. That's the thing is that a lot of the... You know, some of these things you got to look outside the the PlayStation ecosystem for, unfortunately. But I don't know. I feel like uh, there's quite a I don't, I don't feel a, a, a drought for it at all. I mean, we just saw we saw a trailer for Final Fantasy 16 in the, the past. You the, know. the nerve of uh, the nerve of Mighty Max to come here and say that <laughs> we're not getting enough JRPGs. And here I am waiting for my stealth game, my one stealth game, uh, a decade to come out. Shame on you, Mighty Max. Yeah, Mighty Max, you son of a bitch. Also, I mean, eventually we'll get to actually working on it full time, but um, we're going to make a role playing game, too. So it's it's going to be interesting, but I really feel like we got to be careful about what we asked for, because there was a time not so long ago when JRPGs were in the gutter. And that was because I think a lot of shit was coming out. And I'd rather them just take their time and do better, unique, fewer games. That's my whole thing. Mighty Max, thank you for writing in nonetheless. Ethan Cox ends us off. He says, hey, CDC, I've been listening for a while and finally decided to start supporting. And for my first question, I wanted to ask, which of the three of you would last the longest in a zombie apocalypse? My honest answer is me. But I wonder, uh, Dustin, what do you what do you, what do you think? What is what is your reasoning? Do you own any guns, Colin? Uh, no comment. I was going to say, I, I do own a gun, <laughs> so I've got a little bit of an advantage there. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about my weapons. OK, well. I, I'm only talking. I have a, I have a pistol, so I don't have a lot of ammo for it, and I'm right. not necessarily a very uh, you know I'm not a sharpshooter or anything. But that at least is something. And I live in an area that everyone has guns here in Western PA. You know, even Grandma's mm-hmm. got a gun. Little Little Johnny's got a gun. So, but that means the zombies run, may have guns as well. <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's a, where are the zombie? Is there any zombie notion where they use weapons? <laughs> I seriously think, like that would be interesting that would well, be like a new yeah. spin yeah that would be interesting yeah i, I mean in, in like 28 days later when it's like infected they i think they they use things they use tools and stuff but right yeah because even in the last of us like the different levels of infected they don't ever like use a, an implement or anything like that right yeah but it's kind of i like your answer though dustin weapons aren't everything you know all it takes is you know depending if they're they're fast zombies they're going to they're going to catch up to me very quickly. Like there's, I'm just not a runner. So I don't know, though. We'll, so we'll it, go it's a good Cesar question. Romero, like slow, like walking dead type zombies. I think that's the safest mm. bet. Mm. The reason I'm skeptical about Chris's survival, if I might throw it over to him, is just because of where he is. I don't know if you're going to be back in New York by the time this all happens. But in L.A., you're shit out of luck. I mean, you're done. 
So yeah. I, I just, I, I just, that's my biggest concern for you is not your ability to survive, but rather your geography. I just don't know how it's going to work for you. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, well, I've got, if Left 4 Dead 2 has taught me anything, I've got plenty of weapons because I have so many guitars. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm set for melee combat pretty sure, well. Sure. But yeah, like would, would the, would the, would the, the harsh sun be to my benefit like mm. like would would zombies decay faster in hot sun mm. right versus if it's colder would they actually be better off in colder climates because they would you know theoretically decay slower like who knows do they even decay in permanent in perpetuity at all like what is the science we don't know of the rules we don't know, we don't the, know rules. the rules but uh if tell you what ethan cox if you have a better uh if you if you can somehow find a a, a way to map this out for us in a concise way where we have a, a better idea of what exactly because zombie apocalypse is too vague because that could mean any number we, we you could argue we already had one in the last year you know so sure. like what does T-virus. this even mean so yeah. you know I, I would need more information but i think I'd, I'd i'd be all right i'd just find high ground you know and wait for an earthquake to happen yeah go to the <laughs> go to the fault lines I, yeah. I loved like driving by the fault lines is like they're so eerie they are crazy uh, in the middle of california because it's just like it looks like mountain ranges that just reach up and then fall yeah it looks like a glitch uh, yeah it's ridiculous it's very beautiful but yeah ethan write into us again if you see this or hear this and um give us your rule set and then we can better figure this out because there are a lot of different there are a lot of different facets to this question and i want to make sure we answer it properly because i have a lot of faith in chris and i have a lot of faith in dustin but i think i just don't like chris being in a population center i just feel like it's too dangerous it's just too much you know, yeah, it's like what we see in The Walking Dead when everyone's leaving Atlanta because you assume every, and then they go back into Atlanta and everything is all fucked up. You don't want to be there. I'd rather be out here in the suburbs. Dustin's an even, even more rural area. So. All right, Ethan, thank you for writing in. And boys, thank you for your time today. That's all we have for Sacred Symbols, of PlayStation of podcast. Chris, do you have any closing comments? Uh, I think I, you know what? I think you mean, I think I'm going to get my, myself some five guys. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. love it. Yeah. Excellent. Dustin. On the topic of, of food, I'm I'm celebrating Father's Day tonight. Uh, so they want to go to Chili's, which I have not Whoa. been to Chili's in probably <laughs> five years. Maybe. Awesome Blossom. Nice. Uh, they used to have these uh, chicken Chipotle crispers when I was there. Literally, seriously, it's probably been five years since I've been to Chili's. <laughs> and I'm hoping they still got them or something. But the Awesome Blossom, I is love that what awesome it's called? Blossom. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. I haven't been to Chili's in 20 years, maybe. So oh. I, I, I don't even know if that exists. Dude, anymore, I, 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 it I unironically really love Chili's. I haven't been there. I, do, I liked it, too. We just <laughs> never I, I used to go there in New England when I lived there. And then on Long Island, we just didn't really have them. And then I went to Boston. and I had no money and then so on and so forth. Mm. And then there were like no Chili's around us in San Francisco. Yeah, so yeah. it was just a, I was just there was no way for me to you go. Just, I, I like those restaurants. You and Chili's just missed each other entirely. You know, you just Two constantly soulmates, soulmates that just continuously, you know, yeah. passing ships. But Indeed. I love uh, they, they used to make an amazing chocolate shake, like sincerely, like the best chocolate shake I've ever had anywhere. Like, which is like a weird thing to say about like yeah, Chili's. But I don't know if they do it anymore. I think they outlawed it. Yeah, here's here's the thing. We always think about yeah. game developers or publishers, whatever, listening to our show or or our, our audience. If you're working at Chili's right now, whether you're a server or you're in the dish dish area or you're at corporate, let us know. Shout out to Chili's Shout unless Chili's. it's terrible tonight. Then I will call you out next week. Yeah, sure. yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be terrible. They're all about consistency, okay. aren't they? I don't know. 
I mean, that's the idea, isn't so it? Long. That you're supposed to be able to go from one to the next to the True. next, and yeah. it's all like a you know, right? But it's yeah, all it's been a while. So could be, could be. Well, have fun. Thank you. Chili's baby back ribs. That was a whole annoying when everyone wanted to sing that. What was that? Fifteen years ago now. Welcome to Chili's. Dude, the Chili's presence in office, that the ongoing joke of Chili's yeah. is is very good. Well, because it is very like it is very suburban corporate. Yeah. Where like that's where you go because there's no other option. <laughs> right. It's also the same thing when it's like, oh, I'm gonna go to my favorite New York pizza place when he's in the city and it's just it's fucking like, Sabaros. Yeah, Micah yes. does that to me to bother me, or she keeps bringing up how she wants to go to Long Island and ask my father if we can go to Sabaro, which I think my dad would just throw her into the Long Island sound <laughs> if she said that. So we have to be right. very careful. <laughs> Damn. All right, boys. Well, I appreciate you guys and hope you're doing well. And I hope all of you guys out there and gals are doing well in the audience, too. Thank you so much for your love, kindness and support of our show. Oh, by the way, Dustin, we have to get you in the credits. People have been writing into this. You are not in the credits. as a, So I have to when I'm not going to do it yet. But when I record the new credits, which I do each month, I'll, I'll put a little um, wow. I'll put you in there as well. But uh, thank you all for your kindness, for your support over E3, for your generosity on Patreon, for your reviews, for your nice tweets, all the rest. We really do appreciate it. Join us on Discord. We have a Reddit as well, subreddit, all sorts of options. Um, but otherwise, I'll let you guys go. We'll see you next time. Thank you again. Goodbye. See ya. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from Central Virginia and Burbank, California, USA. The show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Chris Ragon Maldonado. Sacred Symbols executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and we're grateful for your kindness and generosity. Andrew Morgan, Gregory Slavinsky, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenko, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLVFMA, Jorge Palomino, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, George Gazi, Christian Rodriguez, Jod Rita, Kurt M. Gillenberg, Patrick Skipper, Brian Hernandez Espinoza, Anthony Fuentes, Sweaty Mitt, John Russell, Jordan Andow, Maverick Mazel, Chris Kelly, Andrew Meister, Evaristo One, Dustin Graff, Israel Pena, Peyton Stone, Robert Toe, Josh Hallen Rui, Corbin Dallas, Tyler Watkins, Troilus True, Dan Root, Evan Barr, Tal Randall Halsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukum, Jimmy Dean Man, William Holbert, Dr. Stump, Josh Godfrey, Colleg Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Callan Lennon, Daniel Johnson, H. Trons, Caleb Sittler, an unofficial controller podcast, Ethan Davies, Jay Getter, Jeff Mercado, Galja, Of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Gavin Newland, Lockmort, Saul Balcazar, Zach Parsley, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Martin, Kinnams, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Rinsler526, Ben B, TB Lightning, Anti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Evan Dalton, Chris Buston, Zach Allum, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, D.B. Cooper, Cody Bradbury, Tom Cargill, Richter86, Steve Hodge, Hofeldian, Ian Bravo, Noah J. Stevens, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Mark Liberto, Johnny Waffles, Roto24, Blake Israel, Jonathan Coates, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Jay, Organic Produce, Travis Archuleta, Shane St. Pierre, 
Bear, Carlos Algarit, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Donnie Nolan, Josh Yeager, Turbo Makes Games, Matthew Cooper, Dan Parsons, Martin Beck, Gavin, Brian Watkins, Joe Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Brody Rainey, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, David Everett, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lou and Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, William, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, Zach Binkley, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K., Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zuniga, Sean Battershall, Max Lazos, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Kyle Thomas, James Kinslow III, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, David Mann, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Matt Hazelbaker, Todd Paxton, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Carson Peterson, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Patrick Harper, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.